Blog Talk Radio. eyes on the show and these ads eyes up here ladies for more videos like the one you just watched click over here and if you'd like to subscribe to the WWE YouTube channel hit me up right here and if you'd like to see yours truly in the most exciting money in the bank cash-ins click on the eight pack And thank you for calling and listening to the King Jordan Radio Show. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I've been sick for the last two weeks. I apologize for not coming on uh, this show, but nonetheless, we're back and, and better than ever. Uh, Thursday night, we have a special guest, the criminal defense attorney, Dwayne Cates, will join us as we will break down the NFL trauma going on in the uh, sport there. We will break down Joan Rivers and, most importantly, the retrial of the second phase of the trial uh, in Jody Ares uh, from Phoenix. Dwayne Cates will join us. 
But tonight we're going to talk all things wrestling with our wrestling expert, uh, none other than uh, from Chicago. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. J. J. Good evening, J.J., and welcome back to King Jordan Radio. How are you? Hey, King. You know, in the words, uh, in the immortal words of Tony Stark, it is good to be back, and it's uh, especially uh, good to be speaking with you, and I hope you're feeling better, and we're glad to have you back. We're glad to have King Jordan Radio back, so it's a very exciting time. We're back better than ever. Lots to talk about. We were gone a few weeks, and uh, so much developed. Of course, Night of Champions was last night. Uh, I would, would definitely would love to get into uh, NXT if we can. Also, the yeah, return yeah, that's of total. Yeah, NXT has been amazing. It was even highlighted on Raw a few weeks ago. It was also on main event. Uh, Kenta, the international sensation, Japanese wrestler. A lot of uh, fans know him, of course. But he made his debut finally in NXT, so we could talk about that. Of course, uh, TNA, a lot of buzz going around between them and their superstars and possibly signing new talent. Uh, lots of big things to talk about. Night of Champions and Monday Night Raw, we saw new champions being crowned, so it's uh, very exciting. And, of course, lots to talk about of the new WWE 2K15, the video game. Yeah, actually, we do have the pay-per-view, but you know what? It's been a while since we talked video games. Let's get right into the video game. Let's start it off with that. What's the latest on the uh, upcoming video game? Well, the new uh, video game, W2K15, it is being released October 28th. It's being released on current gen, current gen meaning if you own uh, a PlayStation 3, if you own a Xbox 360, if you own the current uh, next gen systems, gaming consoles, if you own a PlayStation 4, if you own an Xbox One, W2K15 uh, will be released a little bit later. It's delayed on next gen. It comes out November 18th. And uh, there's already talk about the Hulk Hogan Special Edition is sold out. The Hulk Hogan wow. Special Edition, it comes uh, with a whole bunch of goodies and uh, autographs from Hulk Hogan himself. And, uh, of course, you get the Hulk Hogan skins in which you can download Hulk Hogan, the NWO Hogan, or the Hulkamania Hogan, and you can download that right away uh, to the W2K15 game. Other than that, you'll have to wait for them to re-release it later on, but if you ordered the special edition Hulk Hogan pack, you get that right away on day one. Uh, there's also lots to talk about where the WD just released, actually, after Monday Night Raw yesterday, they released the roster reveal. Now, if you remember, we discussed the roster reveal last month uh, during SummerSlam, but they re-released because now the game's coming out. We just saw new footage, and if you saw the game trailer, not this, the original Sting one we saw a few uh, weeks ago, months ago, but they released new in-game footage of the wrestlers, and it really does look phenomenal. It's photorealistic. I mean, you, you might as well be watching Monday Night Raw in USA. It's so close the realism is unbelievable and uh it's really spectacular this is really even though 2k has been working with the we for the last two years or so when uh we 13 came out it was still under the thq banner however when thq went out of business and 2k picked up the realm they kind of re-released we 13 and they kind of slapped their label on it 
but technically last year was their sort of first uh, video game where it was completely 2K, and they brought in Ultimate Warrior. They did so many uh, great things with that game. And now this game, 2K15, they're taking it even further because now 2K has brought in their own developers to help with the uh, development of the game, and they brought in their own uh, um, 2K the NBA series. They have their uh, special scanning technologies in which they scan the NBA players with the realism and the 2K NBA games is phenomenal. And they brought that same technology by visual concepts, and they applied it to the WWE series, and it's really, you can see the, the difference. It's so dramatic. If you compare last year's game to this year's uh, WWE game, it's unbelievable. And I actually heard from Game Informer magazine that there was one superstar who wasn't scanned for this game. And I think we all know who that superstar was, and it was CM Punk. CM Punk, unfortunately, oh, was not scanned. Oh, I thought you were going to say Sting. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to say Sting. And, <laughs> no, believe it or not, Sting was scanned. A lot of the older wrestlers, even Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, they were scanned. 2K really went out of their way to scan as many wrestlers as they could to make it really photorealistic. But unfortunately, due to the dispute with CM Punk and the WWE and him walking out, 2K and the visual concepts never got the opportunity to scan him. And we do know that so Punk, CM Punk is a part of the game, right? No, CM Punk is a part in the game. However, okay, he's in the game. He, yes, CM Punk is 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 in 2K15. However, last year's developers, uh, Future Media, Ukes, they of course have tons of photos and uh, scans of CM Punk from their game. So they are working hand in hand with 2K and uh, Visual Concepts to bring in CM Punk into this game. Even though it's based on older scans, he may not look as good as some of the other wrestlers, but he will be a part of the game. In fact, I was just getting into WWE just aired the uh, roster reveal on the WWE Network. Right after Monday Night Raw, if you have the WWE wow. Network sort of logged in and rewatched the roster reveal from last, uh, last month in SummerSlam. However, again, it was heavily edited, but I do like some of the uh, the choices they made in the in editing because when they were talking about Sting mm-hmm. and uh, Sting was on the panel and he was discussing who he'd like to face in the WWE and in the game. And, of course, Sting said the number one person he wants to fight is The Undertaker. And because, you know, this was on the network, they were, you know, it wasn't live like it was last month, they were able to sort of put in a video showing, you know, Sting and showing The Undertaker. And it looked really cool. So, they did some things where they really improved on the editing. I thought they did a phenomenal job. But again, I should point out that there was one case during the editing in which they were announcing the roster. And, of course, they got to the point where they were going to announce that, yes, CM Punk will be in 2K15. And Renee Young made the introduction, and she said, CM Punk. And then the crowd who was at the panel were silent. And I remember thinking, wow. now, I, th- I remember watching this live, live, uh, live streaming on IGN last month, and I remember that wasn't the case. So I went back to YouTube today, and I rewatched the panel, and of course the live presentation, Renee Young introduced CM Punk as the best in the world, and the crowd at the panel at SummerSlam mm. nearly blew the roof off. 
And yet, oh my. Uh, on the okay. network, they have a different video where it's muted. They don't call them the best in the world. And while I do understand that the WWE doesn't want to promote CM Punk because, of course, he did walk out on them. I mean, they have every right to. But at the same token, I feel like that's just going to aggravate a lot of fans, and it's just going to continue to have these CM Punk chants on, on wrestling on Monday Night Raw. And especially next week, Monday Night Raw comes to, guess where, Chicago. Monday Night Raw oh. will be in Chicago next week. And after the display of, the of uh, somebody uh, by the name of uh, uh, CM Punk, I think, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's also. right, his hometown. Uh, after this display of W muting the fans, I just feel like it's just going to add a lot of fire. And it's just, if anything, it's going to make his hometown crowd just kind of really be upset and really scream his name even more. And I, I just, uh, it's really a shame that this is the way, the path that they've gone. But uh, it's just, yeah. you know, it's a part of the business, you know. Let's see, uh, maybe if uh, we have uh, Dominic or Mr. Brown, let's go over to, uh, i got a new switchboard here, so it's kind of unique. But uh, nonetheless, uh, let's go over to line four. Who do we got, Blackjack or Dominic? Say your piece. Uh, okay, uh just loading up there for a second. Let me try again here. Uh, who do we got? Dominic? Uh, What's up, King? Hey, Dominic. How are you? How you doing, bro? JJ, what's up, my man? Hey, Dominic. Great to hear from you, man. Great yeah, to be glad, back. Glad we're back on. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you got my message, right, Dominic? Yeah, I missed you guys the last two weeks. Yeah, 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 seems like a while, but in, in any event, we took care of the, the video game. Now let's get into uh, the pay-per-view, which I got uh, mixed reactions, JJ. And let me go to you first on that, and uh, why don't you walk us through the pay-per-view and your opinion well, of, of it? Yes, I saw Night of Champions, and I thought, again, I thought the WD did a great job. There's a lot of focus on wrestling. You know, they didn't have a lot of uh, goofy stuff going on. And uh, there was one particular incident during the match that I'll get into later. But first up, we have, of course, the pre-show. In the pre-show, we saw the return of Christian. Christian, who we haven't seen in quite some time. He was out with, an, uh, I believe, a concussion or an injury. And he finally he made uh, his appearance back on WWE television. He was hosting the Peep Show, and his guest was Chris Jericho. They had their banter between each other. They used to be tag team champions. Of course, they're good friends, and, yes, they're both Canadian. But uh, and I thought this was really a great thing to do on the pre-show. Don't do this on the actual live pay-per-view. Do this on a show that's right. free. People can tune in. I thought that was really great. So right away I'm thinking, okay, we're off to a great start. They got this out of the way, and now we kick off the pay-per-view with the tag team championship uh, with the Usos defending the titles against Gold and Stardust. And the Usos have really done a great job. Uh, I don't know if the fans are behind them 100%. They're cheering with them whenever the Usos say, ooh, the fans chant so. So the fans are behind them. They like the catchphrase. But other than that, sometimes I feel like uh, their matches get a little flat. And I really wish that uh, their dad, Rikishi, would come in and possibly even be their manager. I think they could really use someone to really do the, the speaking and to do the promos because sometimes I feel they come off 
a little inexperienced, despite the fact that they are veterans. Or you know, multiple uh, their family history in wrestling is unbelievable. History involved, you know, between like I said, his dad and Yokozuna and the Head Shrinkers, and of course the Rock and Roman Reigns. I mean, there's a huge family tradition there, and these guys are tremendous wrestlers, tremendous team. But I feel like there's just something missing to that puzzle. But again, a really nice match between Goldust and Stardust. I think these uh, Road Brothers, this this really goofy thing where now Cody Rhodes is Stardust, and it's quite it's kind of hard to make out. Are they heels? Are they faces? On the one hand, they're acting like heels. They're they're trying to be the bad guys, but they're so goofy and over the top that the fans kind of like them. And the fact that yeah, they can wrestle, they work well together. They're brothers. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fans are really into Goldust. I hear them cheering for Goldust when they should be booing him. So it's kind of a mixed reaction. So the fans will kind of toss between the Usos and Goldust and Stardust. But other than that, you know, it was a really great match. And I, I thought, uh, I really thought the Usos were going to retain the titles. I thought that they were going to be waiting a little bit longer to take the titles off them, even though they've been champions since March. I really thought they were going to win, but to my surprise, Goldust and Stardust walked away with the tag team titles. And uh, it's it's the first time I've seen uh, uh, Cody Rhodes has has had the tag titles with his brother, especially as this this unique uh, team where they both painted their faces. So it was really cool to see Goldust and uh, his brother have the tag titles. I'm very curious to see where this goes and where this takes the tag division. Uh, next up, and I'm going to ask United... you where maybe uh, Dominic can weigh in on this. When was the last time Goldust wore gold in, in uh, WWE or the WWF? <laughs> oh, a long time. It was uh, as a, a while, single right? champ, and he was tag or champions anything. with Booker T. Yeah. But that okay, was, so that that was, was long in ago. 2007. Booker T. Really? Was tag champion. That's, That's almost six, 10 years six ago. years ago. Wow. Holy goodness. So he, In between that, he had he, gone to TNA for a bit, but they, they never gave him a belt in TNA. Yeah, he was Black yeah, Rain. Didn't they call him yep. something else over there? Yeah, Black Rain. Okay, and then WCW, they, they, they called him, what, Seven or something like that? Was that was that somebody else I'm thinking of? No, that's somebody else. Yeah. He was right. in WCW as, as Dustin Rhodes, yeah. Yeah. Right, but I'm talking about the Eric Bischoff uh, WCW where, where yeah, in the ninth place. Yeah, who seven was. Yeah, I could have sworn seven was somebody, but was it seven? Uh, that guy Kazani, Sin Bodhi. Uh, oh. oh, maybe it could be. I think he yeah. was seven. Well, <laughs> in any event, let's uh, let's get back to the uh, pay per view and. Uh, where were you, JJ? Let's... The United States title, uh, Sheamus defending against Cesaro. This, I knew, was going to be a hard-hitting match between these two Europeans, and that's exactly what it was. It was. Uh, they started out trying to do some technical wrestling, going some back and forth, and I thought that was tremendous. And then eventually, before you know it, of course, because with Sheamus, who's known as being a brawler, he just came in hard-hitting with Cesaro. These guys were trading blows like you wouldn't believe. There was uh, some amazing moments. I mean, the last few moments of that match was just unbelievable. It had the fans going crazy. And uh, I heard a lot of people, 
you know, they, they heard that Cesaro swing, King of Swing. The people are getting behind Cesaro. In fact, Cesaro, when he made his entrance to the arena, I think a lot of fans will remember this, you know, he has that one sort of uh, jacket robe that he wears, but he's also now coming down to the ring wearing a towel over his head, very similar to what Taz used to do in ECW. So I feel like they're trying all these different gimmicks with Cesaro, but nothing is really stuck yet. And I, I feel bad for the guy because he's such a tremendous worker. He's such a great talent, but he's yet to find that sort of niche in the WWE where they could really kind of sink their teeth into him and he can really make it. But the match itself between uh, Cesaro and Sheamus, like I said, I thought it was a tremendous wrestling bout. It was hard-hitting, and eventually Sheamus would do a brutal bro kick and just knock Cesaro's head off, and he would retain his title. But all in all, I thought it was a good match. And uh, earlier in the show, I was talking about how WWE tends to do things where oftentimes they'll bring a celebrity onto the scene and they'll maybe use them the wrong way. Here they brought Let me just see if uh, we have uh, Blackjack Brown with us here. Blackjack, are you uh, here? Uh, I guess not. Okay. Sorry about that, Jay. Proceed. The the WWE brought in this country rock band. They're called Florida Georgia Line, and they will be appearing at Tribute to the Troops later this year. But instead of having these guys come out and come in the middle of the ring and talk and sort of waste our time or, you know, get physical with one of the superstars or have this goofy sort of Saturday Night Live sketch, what they did was they brought these guys, they had them sit ringside, and they had them do commentating with JBL and Lawler and Cole, and they were talking during the Intercontinental Championship match between The Miz and Dolph Ziggler. And I kind of like that because on the one hand – yeah, we're aware that these guys are here. They're spending time, you know, in wrestling. They're talking about the tribute of the troops. They're talking about their awards and all this, you know, stuff. And that's all fine and good. But at the same time, the fans at the arena are focused on the match and on the wrestling in the middle of the ring. So I thought they brought these guys in and they used them the right way. You know, the Miz and Dolph Ziggler, you can say what you will about the Miz. You can say what you will about the Intercontinental title in general. I think this might be one of the best feuds uh, for the Intercontinental Championship we've seen possibly in years. I really uh, have enjoyed Dolph Ziggler and the Miz and their back and forth. I thought they've been a really good job to highlight the Intercontinental Championship. And to my surprise, the Miz won. Although the Miz won and he had Damian Sandow, who's known as uh, Damian Mizdow, and he's sort of become the Miz stuntman, and he mimics everything the Miz does. And I'm, I actually like this a lot. I think they should be a tag team. And instead of, you know, just him, just accompanying him to the ring as a valet. But uh, in order to sort of one-up the Miz, Dolph Ziggler has been bringing R-Truth with him to the ring. And R-Truth has been dressing up like Dolph Ziggler. And, Dolph, and uh, R-Truth has been mimicking Dolph Ziggler from his entrance to his, you know, his taunts and when he shakes his, you know, hips, you know, his Rick Root, that Rick Root taunt that he used to do, Dolph Ziggler kind of does that as well. And you see R-Truth even doing some of the same moves that Dolph Ziggler does. I think it's been very entertaining. On the one hand, I haven't enjoyed seeing R-Truth like this in such a long time. And the same goes for Damian Sandow, who's been, you know, coming to the ring and doing so many goofy and silly gimmicks. I actually enjoy seeing Damian Sandow come out, mimic the Miz, and I think this is something that hopefully will stick. 
But uh, I thought it was a, a really good match. And, of course, the Miz, he pulled the tights on Ziggler, and he got the win. And, you know, Miz lately has been adopting the figure four. And I think that's really helped him in the ring because it makes him focus more about wrestling and working body parts. And he knows that if I'm going to apply the figure four leg lock, I need to target Dolph Ziggler's legs. I need to work the legs during the match. So I really think the figure four leg lock has helped Miz become a better wrestler. So Miz regains the Intercontinental title at the pay-per-view, winning his fourth Intercontinental Championship. So I really enjoyed the match. Uh, I enjoyed the, you know, Miz, uh, Miz Dow and R. Ziggler being ringside. I liked that Florida Georgia line were there, but they didn't get too involved. There was a point where Damian Sandow got very close to them, and he was shouting out how great uh, the Miz was. And eventually, uh, Florida line kind of stood up from the announce table, and they did put their hands on Damian Sandow. They pushed him down. That's really all they did. But, you know, they got involved. They had a good time. The fans uh, ate it up. So, it, all in all, I thought it was a really good job with uh, just that whole, everything that went on during that match. I thought they did a really good job. And, of course, next up, we were scheduled to have Seth Rollins take on Roman Reigns. But the surprise of a lot of people, it was announced that this past weekend, Roman Reigns was suffering really terrible abdominal pain. It was getting worse and worse to the point that he just he tried to gut it out as much as he could, no pun intended, gut it out. But uh, he eventually was rushed to the ER and uh, he was uh, revealed to have an incarcerated hernia. And basically what that means is that a, a loop of his intestines was sort of wrapped around his hernia. So he had to have emergency surgery. So Roman Reigns is out of action. We won't be seeing him in the ring for several months. A lot of uh, speculation is that, you know, the injury that he had, you know, it's a very sensitive uh, tissue, and he really has to make sure that the tissue is fully recovered before he can get back to training, before he can get back in the ring. So it's very bad news for Roman Reigns. I mean, a lot of people saw him being the next John Cena. He was being built as a future of the company. He had the biggest, brightest future in the company. And now he has this oh, yeah. you know, horrible uh, injury that took place that's going to take him out of the action. And I'm not sure whether or not he'll be able to return by the Royal Rumble or by WrestleMania. So right now, uh, you know, not, not, we're not too certain what's in store for Roman Reigns. All we can say is that we wish him a speedy recovery and hopes that he does come back yes. soon. But uh, yes, instead, definitely he is. Yeah, he, he's done a tremendous job since he debuted with The Shield. But Seth Rollins came out, and of course he called out Roman Reigns, and he said if Roman Reigns doesn't come out by the time I count to ten – that Roman Reigns forfeits the match and Seth Rollins will win by default. And that's exactly what happened. A referee came in the ring. They did a, ten, a tenth count. And, of course, Roman Reigns didn't come out. So Seth Rollins declared that he won because Roman Reigns forfeited and that he was scared to face Seth Rollins. But instead, what we learned was that Dean Ambrose, who was filming a movie for W Films, he just wrapped up filming and to a lot of people's surprise, or I should say to a lot of people's delight, Dean Ambrose made his return when Seth Rollins issued an open challenge at Night of Champions. Dean Ambrose came running in with a cab, with a taxi, and he came storming through the backstage, rushed into the ring, 
and attacked Seth Rollins. So this was just a really great moment. It was so good to see Dean Ambrose. I can't tell you how much I miss seeing this guy on WWE television. And it was so great to see him. He hasn't lost a he step. He was, talent. he was, you know, brawling with Rollins all over the arena. Eventually, security came and they threw him out of the building. But uh, it was just great to see Dean Ambrose. And we would see a lot more of him the next night on Raw. But now, back to the next matchup at Night of Champions. Mark Henry, we were all hoping and praying, would be the first superstar to put an end. Just want to, to say, Ruth though, they, they tried to build this Mark Henry thing bigger than it was uh, on Raw the, going into the pay per view, from what I've been told. Uh, that was the final segment, the uh, Mark Henry Rusev leading into the Monday night show, leading into the pay per view, right? Yeah, that is correct. In fact, I was very surprised by that because, you know, I mean, Mark Henry, you can argue whether or not he's one of the top or main eventers. I mean, he's been in the company for almost over a decade. He is a former world champion. He's been a, a former world champion, but he hasn't really had that main event spot. So I was very shocked that they did main event Raw and going on to the pay per view. They were really building up that this is America versus Russia. And the fans, uh, you know, I really thought that, if anything, Jack Swagger would have been the one to defeat Rusev at SummerSlam, but that wasn't the case. So they were building up Mark Henry. They were building up this whole match, you know, America versus Russia. They even had, I think, special athletes do tribute videos to say, hey, Mark Henry, we got your back, and America supports right. you and all that. They went really above and beyond for this. And, you know, to my surprise, I thought Mark Henry was going to win but that's not what we saw. We saw Rusev do what he's been doing for the last few months, and he found a weakness in uh, Mark Henry. They He threw him, I believe, against the ring steps, and they were playing off that Henry's back was bad. Now, this is and where Rusev, I just wanted to start to get to say, I, Kurt Angle would have been good for this spot had he been in the WWE in this particular point in his prime. Because uh, he he would have been perfect because he was an Olympic champion in 96, and he's the All-American boy, I guess you could say. Uh, So that's, uh, instead of Mark Henry, I would definitely prefer to see uh, Angle. But nonetheless, uh, there's another story about Angle, which I'll get to after. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I actually agree with you 100%. Uh, If it was up to me, I would have much rather saw Kurt Angle in that spot. I think it would have been tremendous. They did try to build up the fact that Mark Henry was legitimately in the Olympics. You know, he was in the Olympics as well in weightlifting, and uh, he didn't win, though, unfortunately. He didn't win his gold medal. He lost to a Russian. But uh, in this particular matchup, they were building it up, and Mark Henry wanted to win. That's not the case. Uh, even the way they kicked off the match, they had Lillian Garcia sing the Star Spangled Banner, and Lillian did a beautiful job. It was very emotional. The fans at the arena were really uh, rallying behind, you know, chanting USA. You know, fans were really into this. And, of course, like I said, Rusev, he worked the back of Mark Henry. He put him in the accolade, the camel clutch. And uh, Mark Henry, I don't believe he tapped out, but uh, he passed out or, or something, and Unfortunately, Rusev remains undefeated, and he beat another American. So I'm very, you know, I don't know what thing on Henry. Next. He is just, I don't know, he just doesn't have it on the mic. After all these years, or what is it, almost 20 years in the WWE, uh, and that, that Raw segment that I was just alluding to, 
He was horrible on the microphone. He he still doesn't know how to cut a promo. Uh, you know, like he's somebody that's been in the WWE going on 20 years. That's just well, my opinion. Yeah, I mean, there's one thing I will give Mark Henry credit for, and that was, I don't know if it was last year. I don't know if it was last year. It was when his contract was running out, and we all thought he was going to retire, and he came out. He was dressed up uh, dressed up sharp in a nice suit. He came out. He was talking to the fans, and he wanted to thank them for all the years and support and all this stuff that, you know, they gave him. And it got very emotional. There was a part, a part where Mark Henry was even crying. You could see tears dropping from his eye. And it, was, it was probably his best promo that he ever gave in his entire career because everyone bought into it. I bought into it. I thought he was done. And yet he did a big swerve because John Cena came out and he wanted to give Mark Henry props for everything that he did. And Mark uh, John Cena, I think, was the world champion or the – I think he was a world champion at the time. And instead, Mark Henry did a swerve, and he attacked Cena, and he wanted a shot at Cena's title. So that was probably the best angle, probably the best promo that I ever saw Mark Henry in. And it's a shame that we didn't see him, you know, maybe step it up, as you pointed, that they could really invest and really get people fired up for this match. And I don't know if they accomplished that, like you said. I don't think they accomplished that on Raw. But uh, anyways, the match was okay, but uh, it, it was just, it was exactly what it was supposed to be in the fact that Rusev would defeat a, another American and it felt like a sort of a devastating loss because I think much like Swagger last month and this month with Mark Henry, we all thought that finally Rusev would taste defeat and that didn't happen yet. So they're continuing to build Rusev up as this unbeatable monster. He's undefeated I don't know if he's undefeated, but no American has, has beaten him yet. So that's, I believe, what they're they're playing towards. Do, but the, are they keeping the track next, over how many wins he has? Yeah. Did they say, but, uh, or just they just say he's undefeated? Well, like I said, they're they're making a point to say no American has really beaten him in a one-on-one match. So like oh, I said, okay. next up, I wanted to get into this was a match I felt they should have built more towards. They spent a lot of time building Rusev and Mark Henry. And while I can understand it, it's an uh, American you know, feud between America and Russia, and I can understand why they would want to build that up. But in my opinion, the biggest match of the night should have been between Chris Jericho and Randy Orton. And you might ask, well, why? Why should they make such a big deal of those two wrestling? It feels like they were just thrown together. And while maybe it's true that these two guys were thrown together for the pay-per-view, on the one hand, you do have Chris Jericho, who is the first ever undisputed champion in the WWE, the guy who unified the WWE Championship and the WCW Championship. And you have Randy Orton, who unified the Raw Championship and the SmackDown Championship. Now, even though the brands ended, you know, Randy Orton was carrying those two titles. He unified them in that TLC match with John Cena, this should have been a big match where they highlighted two undisputed champions facing off. And they should have showed the history of the titles and the history of the two talents, especially Chris Jericho, who is a, a, a very young living legend, a guy who's done it all. He's been in Japan. He's been in Mexico. He's been in ECW, WCW, WWE. I mean, he's done it all. And Randy yeah, Orton. He was in ECW for a cup of coffee, too. 
Yeah, you know, if you've done it all, and then you take a guy like Randy Orton, who's basically your prototype of WWE. He was in developmental. He's been here for the past decade. He's done everything that can be done in the WWE. And he, like I said, he unified the brand titles. I thought that they should have really built this matchup. They should have made it more special. But uh, to my surprise, of course, WWE dropping the ball, like always. But the match itself I thought was great. Even though there wasn't a lot of built-up, like I said, there should have been. There wasn't. But uh, I do think, you know, Jericho, Orton, whether you love them or hate them, they're both pros. And they both delivered, I thought, a really great match. And I'm not sure if this is Chris Jericho's final match in the WWE as he will be taking a leave to go tour with Fozzie. But, uh, you know, I thought they did a tremendous job, and I thought they did a really great job. And it was a fun match. The fans were behind Jericho. It almost felt like a a sort of an old-school chess game in which they were countering each other. It was a a lot of fun. And uh, Jericho eventually dove headfirst into an RKO. So Randy Orton picked up the victory. But I should point out that uh, a few weeks ago on Monday Night Raw, Jericho did something that I've never saw him do in his entire career, and that's climb the top of a cage and do a flying cross-body drop. I have never seen Chris Jericho do something like that in his career, so it was pretty amazing to see him do that on Monday Night Raw. Usually you see someone like Jeff Hardy, Kurt Angle, or you know some of the guys over in TNA will do stuff like that almost weekly. But uh, Chris Jericho, a guy who's been around for a long time, to see him climb up the top of a cage and do a flying crossbody, especially this stage in the game where he's a part-timer, I thought that was tremendous. That was a, a very dangerous moment. But uh, Chris Jericho, just a really great talent. And if this is the last we Jericho, see of him. Uh, so you said he's taking some time off? Chris Jericho will be taking some time off. You know, I think his stint with the WWE is uh, just about run out. I know he was scheduled to do Night of Champions. He wasn't on Raw the next night. No, he's done this before, though. Oh, yeah. And for the record, I think he is, well, okay, 1970, November. That would be, uh, let's see here. It's coming up. uh, 43. He will be turning 44. On the ninth, though, of November. Yeah. You know, Chris Jericho. Okay. Yeah, so there's a good chance we will see Y2J back in the ring one more time. I don't know when, but you know he's on a good relationship with the WWE, and he pretty much comes in and out as he pleases. He's also will be featured in the 2K15 video game. Uh, next up, of course, there was the Divas Championship match in which Paige would be defending her Divas title against Nikki Bella and A.J. Lee. And I thought this match was actually pretty good. I thought they gave them enough time to do something interesting. We saw, of course, uh, usually you'll see this in a lot of cruiserweight matches or X-Division matches in which a guy, three guys are at the corner of the ring, and there's one person trying to do a top rope suplex, another person who kind of sneaks in and delivers a power bomb. This is one of the first times we really saw the Divas, you know, do some high-risk uh, moves. So I really appreciate the fact that these girls were trying their best to put together a pretty good match, a good triple threat. And I thought the video presentation of uh, Paige, you know, talking about A.J. Lee and her feud and talking about Nikki Bella, how she's just, you know, sucking up to Stephanie, I thought that was very well done. So I thought, you know, for overall they did a really nice job setting up, you know, this sort of match and this feud. And, you know, for the most part I enjoyed it. 
And uh, AJ, to my surprise, I really thought Paige was going to retain the title. I didn't think Nikki was going to get the title just yet, just because I feel like whenever Nikki gets the title, they're going to want her to feud with her sister Brie, and I don't see that happening just yet. They might be saving that for WrestleMania. But AJ, to my surprise, became a three-time Divas champion. She won, and it was, uh, you know, the fans went home happy. So it was a really nice match, and hopefully we see more out of the Divas because, you know, that whenever you talk about the Divas, there's always this sort of idea that, oh, God, here comes a Divas match. Let me go to the bathroom or let me, you know, take a break or change the channel. But I really think that they're working towards really improving the Divas division. And uh, based on the match I saw last night, I think they are improving. And uh, we're seeing better stuff out of the Divas. So only time will tell how good they get and whether or not we have another boom in the Divas division that we saw in the Attitude Era with Trish and Lita and Tori and Stacy and Jacqueline and all those uh, girls back then. But uh, this is another surprise. Another and jazz. Uh, another surprise to me was, on the pay per view, the WWE was pointing out that if you ordered Night of Champions on pay per view, right. you paid fifty four ninety five, and then they said if right. you purchased it on the WWE Network, you paid nine ninety nine. And while I understand that they want to point out that you want to pay obviously the less amount nine ninety nine, I do feel that when. If you watch that pay-per-view, it did feel like a slap in the face to anyone who doesn't have the network and who did order yeah. it on pay-per-view. And I just thought that was done in bad taste. Because here you got people you know, spending money. I was thinking the same money. thing. That's a good point. Yeah. It, really a good a, point. it really was a slap I mean, in the uh, face. Vince McMahon is, is worth still making money uh, from people buying it uh, from the pay-per-view company. And uh, mm. to say like that, is was trying to say, you know, is like a slap in the face to the loyal fans that may not have the computer access or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Maybe it's broken or, you know, whatever the situation is, and they might, might might need to order it on the cable or they just want it on their television. So I think that's a exactly. slap in the face to the, yeah, to the that's fans exactly that how don't I have it or, you know, or not with the technology as much. And they prefer the old school. And quite frankly, I like it. Watch the WrestleManias on the big uh, flat inch screen. That's just me, but that, that just, I just want to get that out of the way. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you completely. I mean, just look at DirecTV and Satellite and, you know, uh, all those. They dropped the WWE. They won't even hold WWE pay-per-view. So they're lucky that, you know, Comcast, uh, Xfinity, that other cable uh, networks, are willing to even air uh, WWE pay-per-views. So the fact that they would say, oh, you know, why do you waste your time you know, buying a pay-per-view when you can just buy the network? I just thought that was, you know, it's just bad taste. You know, come on. But uh, anyway, the, the main least, event, yeah. the main event uh, this was a huge, uh, ant- hugely anticipated match, the rematch from SummerSlam in which Brock Lesnar just decimated who the WWE was billing as their greatest world champion, 15-time uh, world champion John Cena. Brock Lesnar just ran through him like he was, you know, some jobber oh, from the Independence. Wow. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was an oh, unbelievable match at SummerSlam. But the pay-per-view was a different story. At Night of Champions, we would see John Cena really carry the fight to Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar wasn't as dominant as he was at SummerSlam, 
And I, I believe even Dominic predicted that John Cena would win the match. And Dominic was right. John Cena did win the match. However, he didn't win the title. And even though Brock Lesnar was dominant, I mean, John Cena went at him like about two minutes into the match. I believe, because I was watching, you know, I'm in Chicago, so it's central time. The match started about 927 central time. And not even maybe right. two minutes into the match, John Cena hit an attitude adjustment. He hit his finishing move about a minute into the match, and he did so again, I believe, even 10 minutes later, 10 minutes at about 9.39 Central Standard Time, Cena hit a second attitude adjustment, hitting his finishing move yet again. And he would hit a third finisher 10 minutes, not even 10 minutes later, a few minutes later at 9.41 p.m. uh, Central Time. So Cena was hitting his finishing move left and right, trying to defeat Brock Lesnar, but it just wasn't happening. Brock Lesnar kicked out each time he delivered uh, at least three or four of his patented German suplexes. He even delivered the Three Amigos, a tribute to Eddie Guerrero, who, if you remember, Eddie Guerrero defeated Brock Lesnar for the WWE title. So it was very nice to see Lesnar paying tribute to Guerrero and hitting his Three Amigos. Uh, Again, another hard-hitting match. The fans were as vocal as you could imagine, loud, uh, let's go Cena, and of course even louder, Cena sucks, chance. So the fans, very vocal, hard-hitting match. Cena would hit his fourth attitude adjustment to Brock Lesnar just before Seth Rollins would come running in, interfering into the match, causing a disqualification. So even though Cena won, the title did not change hands, and Brock Lesnar is still your WWE World Champion. However, when Cena hit the attitude adjustment on Lesnar, Lesnar was done. He was out. Rollins came in. He threw Cena out of the ring. And at this point, you have a Brock Lesnar, the beast incarnate, the guy who demolished the big show at the Royal Rumble, the guy who demolished and broke the streak of The Undertaker at WrestleMania, the guy who demolished uh, John Cena at SummerSlam. He is laying flat on his back in the middle of the ring, and Seth Rollins is Mr. Money in the Bank with his briefcase. He wanted to cash in the briefcase immediately. He went to just about to cash it in. He went into the ring, but then John Cena came in and chased Seth Rollins out of the uh, arena. So Seth Rollins never officially cashed in his money in the bank. He still holds the briefcase. The the match never happened, and Brock Lesnar is still your world heavyweight champion. But all in all, I thought Night of Champions was probably one of their better pay-per-views of the year. You know, I think WrestleMania was good. I think SummerSlam was good. But I think they really kept it together for Night of Champions. A lot of people, maybe they, they weren't happy with the finish. They weren't happy with Miz being the Intercontinental Champion. They weren't happy with Randy Orton or AJ winning the title or Cena winning by disqualification. But all in all, the matches, all I care about is the wrestling and whether or not I was entertained by the wrestling. The wrestling was great. There was not one single bad match on the card. You know, you could argue Mark Henry and Rusev, but again, that was more about America versus Russia and keeping Rusev being the dominant player. competitor. So all in all, I really enjoyed the pay-per-view. I, I don't have anything bad to say. I even like 
how they used the celebrities of Florida Georgia Line. They weren't too involved, but yet they were part of the show. So I thought this was a, a really good pay-per-view all in all. I would give it an A. Okay, uh, let's get to the following day, which would be on Raw. But before we do that, Dominic, uh, the uh, birthdays, if you can, and that is sponsored by uh, your hotline, which is at 212-629-1900. Also, this Thursday on King Jordan Radio will be uh, defense attorney Dwayne Cates as we break down Jody Arias, the NFL uh, troubles, and uh, much, much more. Uh, But... Without further ado, Dominic, can you uh, please uh, enlighten us with the birthdays and the uh, history? Okay. We got from the old WOW promotion, Poison. It's also Matt Hardy's birthday, Radical Rick Rocker, Antonio the Promise Thomas from the heartthrobs of WWE back in the day, Japanese great Osamu Nishimura, Japanese lady great Mima Shimura, um, independent star, the Bounty Hunter. We got Johnny Heartbreaker, uh, Yoshinobu Kanamaru, Nurse Cassie, and this one I'm not making up. The guy's ring name is Pat McGroin. <laughs> we got George South Jr. Um, celebrities: Julio Iglesias, Bruce Springsteen, mm. Andre Bocelli. Mm. Jason Alexander from Seinfeld, the legendary Ray Charles, former New York Yankee Jabba Chamberlain. Uh, We also got Mickey Rooney. Um, Oh, he just passed this year, I think, right? What? Uh, Mickey Rooney, Dominic. What about him? Did he just pass this year? Yep, not too long ago, right? Yeah, and it's also... He was in a lot of films and... Yeah, it's also right. Super Delphin's birthday. Today in wrestling and, uh, history, you, let's see, mm-hmm. September 23rd, 1970, Bobby Hart and Lorenzo Parente defeated Johnny Rubberman Walker and Oni Mayavia in Nashville, Tennessee, to win for the second time the Tennessee version of the United States Tag Team titles. Unbelievable. Yeah, a lot of birthdays today. Yeah, a ton of birthdays. Uh, You caught up with Raw, right, Dom? Yeah, I caught up with Raw, all right. A freaking wrestling photograph. Too promising. Right. Let's get the Raw report brought to you by uh, Dominic Valente. Well, Raw had its good moments, its bad moments, and its really stupid moments. In all honesty, Raw Raw wasn't a good show. I really wasn't impressed with a lot of it. The opening part was fantastic. Opening the opening promo, opening the show with with Dean Ambrose was excellent. It was a pleasant yeah, opening. I like Dean. Since, yeah, since the other normal openings is usually John Cena, Triple H, Stephanie, whoever, but it was mm-hmm. good seeing Ambrose. Open up the show. They showed the footage with the cinder blocks from a few weeks ago, and he said he's back, and he calls out Seth Rollins. But we get John Cena. So Cena comes out, and he says, John, you better leave the ring while I still like you. He says, I'm only out here because we seem to have a common enemy. 
And just as they're ready to fight, the authority shows up. Triple H, Stephanie, Kane, Orton, and Seth Rollins walking behind all of them. Triple H cuts a promo and puts Cena and, and Dean Ambrose in matches. So meanwhile, Seth Rollins doesn't go to the ring. Cena and, and Ambrose charge from the ring, and they start fighting on the ramp. And they go all the way to the back, and they show Seth Rollins pushing some guy out of the way, stealing a car, and driving off. Now, oh if Cena and, and Ambrose were that close to Seth Rollins, why didn't they just right. reach out and grab him? And this guy... <laughs> This guy with the car must have been real stupid. Who starts up their car and then opens up the hatchback to load it or unload it? Right? Now, whether wow. he's coming or going, he's going to open up the back, put his stuff in or take his stuff out, then get in the front and start the car. Or if he's pulling in, he's going to turn the motor off and then open up the back. He's in the exact spot just at the right time to be pushed over and get get in there and drive off with these two guys at his heels and they can't catch up to him? What, are they running in slow motion or did they stop to sign autographs? Then Ambrose, <laughs> Ambrose makes a diving leap into the back, and I said, this guy's going to either get killed or part of the angle is he's going to drive off with him in there. But he didn't. Oh, he shit. came out, and I said, it's a good thing this guy didn't get hurt. Because then what, then what are you going to do? Yeah. All right? So after that, then we get Dolph Ziggler and The Miz with Damian Sandow. And unlike J.J., I hate this friggin' angle with a passion. Damian Sandow's a damn good wrestler. He don't have to be The Miz's Hollywood stunt double. But J.J., to agree with what you said, I'd rather see them as a tag team. Yeah. Yep. So Dolph wins back the IC title, which he lost only the night before, and to give it back to him. That made no sense. Then we got Jack Swagger with Zeb Coulter, and they beat. he beats Bo Dallas. So once Bo Dallas wins, the next time Jack Swagger wins. I don't know where this is going, but it's not even a mid-card feud. The funniest thing was Zeb Coulter doing Bo Dallas's voice when he got yeah. his voice up that high. That says, "We're sorry, but we don't believe." Oh boy! <laughs> then we got Natalia with Rosa Mendez in her corner, defeated Summer Rae with Layla. Summer Rae is trying to act like the beautiful people from TNA, and personally, I'd rather see Layla. I think Layla's the hottest one of all. Natalia is very sexy. I love Rosa, too. But right. this match didn't last all that long anyway. Dean Ambrose defeated Kane on a DQ. When Seth Rollins ran in, and Ambrose brawls with Rollins. But again, Kane is there to save Seth Rollins. Kane can't win a match lately. I don't know what's up with the big red monster. No, he's in a slump again. Yep. Then we go backstage. Oh, boy. And Kane is with Seth Rollins. Triple H starts to tell Seth Rollins to try and calm down. Meanwhile, Dean Ambrose shows up, and we get a brawl. 
and security, a bunch of idiot-looking guys, decide to lock Ambrose in a closet. Stephanie is saying, what are we going to do? Every time somebody leaves the arena, they wind up coming back anyway. Lock him in there. So he's locked in the room. All right? So then we go with the Usos. Jay and Jimmy Uso teaming up with Sheamus. They're the good guys. Against Goldust, Stardust, and Cesaro. And they're making all kind of jokes saying, I wonder what Cesaro thinks about his two partners. He's so old school, a throwback type wrestler, and he's with these two lunatics. And the people are cheering for Goldust and Stardust and Cesaro and the Usos and Sheamus. It's like they like everybody. The match was excellent. I'll give it to this match. It was hard hitting, a lot of high flying. These guys worked their asses off, all six of them. Then we're backstage with Seth Rollins. And he said he wants to thank Randy Orton for helping him out. And he says, one thing is, me and Kane are coming out to watch your match later, and we have a surprise for you. Now, I'm, I'm thinking to myself right away, I says, people are probably going to think that they got their cinder blocks out there already. But I'm saying, I got a feeling we ain't seen the last of Dean Ambrose yet. I said, I bet you he winds up being the surprise. But how? Mm. Okay? Now, earlier, Randy Orton had a great statement. He tells Triple H, why does me and him, meaning him and Kane, have to always put out a fire that Seth Rollins starts? That's when Triple H told him to calm down. (laughs) Then we got a promo by Mark Henry. And I agree with you guys. Mark Henry cannot cut a promo. J.J., right. the one that you said where he supposedly was saying goodbye, yeah. turned on Cena, that was yeah. his best promo ever. Yeah. This night they, they were going, so what, <laughs> what, what? And Mark Henry said, yeah, yeah you can what. do that all night if you want. I really don't care right now. And out comes <laughs> Rusev with Lana. Now, Lana's hot. She's gorgeous. But she's turning into another Vicky Guerrero. We used to get yeah. We used to get um excuse me. Now we're getting shut up. Shut up. Oh yeah. Like, really? And she's got too much hair on top. Her hair looks like she's wearing two birds' nests. So Mark Henry says, if you want to see us go at it one more time, let's do it. So Rusev with Lana beat Mark Henry. And this time, Mark passed out from the pain. Then, oh my, yeah, big guy they, like that passing out. Oh boy. Yep. <laughs> now, now it gets worse. Adam Rose and the fucking Bunny, as a tag team, defeated oh my, Slater yeah, and Titus O'Neil. This. Oh my. They got nothing better for Titus O'Neil than that. Uh-huh. And he Slater's a damn good worker. And who scores the pinfall? The bunny. It's like they put Paul Mahoney in the uh, Santa Claus outfit. I don't know if you remember that, but back in the yeah, 90s, Dominic. Yeah, they did Dominic. that during the holidays. Triple H was Santa Claus. I remember the Boiler Room match with Triple H against Mick Foley. Both of them were dressed right. as Santa. And Teddy Long was the referee. And he goes, the winner of the match, 
Santa Claus. And you're going, okay, they're both dressed as Santa Claus, so what's the point? Then we got more from the Bellas. <laughs> Nikki Bella talking about Brie Bella again. And not for nothing, Nikki looks fabulous with her new tits. So they're going <laughs> back and forth. And she wants to own the name of Bella. She calls out Brie. They're arguing back and forth. And she wants, Nikki wants the exclusive rights to the last name Bella, which ain't even their last name anyway. JJ, uh, AJ comes out for her match, and it's against Nikki Bella. And AJ wins over Nikki. And at one point, Nikki threw AJ into Paige, who was at the announced position. Oh, and then goodness. the main event, John Cena defeated Randy Orton on disqualification due to interference by Kane and Seth Rollins, who came out. They're jumping on Cena, beating the hell out of him, and they're ready to do to his arm what they did to Dean Ambrose. So they go for the surprise. They move that fold-away table. There's no cinder blocks under there. It's Dean right. Ambrose under the table. And Jerry Lawler says, it's Dean Ambrose. How do you get out of that closet? <laughs> How did he get out of that closet? <laughs> so we better have some what, explaining what, to do Monday. So it was then, and, that, and that concluded Raw, basically, with John Cena being laid out, right? Yeah, and I'm watching the clock, and I'm saying, thank God, it's after 11 o'clock. Pretty soon Perry Mason goes on. I said, thank you, Lord. <laughs> it wasn't for all the food I ate during during Raw. I'd have I'd have fallen asleep. I'd have fallen asleep. Yeah, well, this was uh, it's good sleeping medicine. Sometimes Raw, it's either great sleeping medicine or it's uh, awesome. But uh, in this particular Raw, not such a good job. But we'll see nope. what happens. We'll see what happens. Definitely. And uh, but uh, I did want to touch on. I did bring up Kurt Angle for a reason though, because. Uh, Apparently, he uh, went to above uh, Vince McMahon's head and went to Triple H or vice versa. He went to Triple H. Triple H said, listen, in layman's terms, you've been around all this time, and now since the ship is not so hot over there, you want to get back here? Uh Uh-uh. So uh, he told him to take a hike, and so there's some tension in the rank. Yeah. So I did see it on an internet site. I knew about it for a couple of weeks, but I, I didn't know uh, it was on an internet site. So now that it's on an internet site, I'll, I'll just make that 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 did happen. Uh, he did try to get back with WWE, but uh, uh, Triple H rejected him. He said, you know, you you took the easy way out last time in 06, basically, and uh, you stay where you are. We don't need you right now. You you did you 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 know you did all you you can do. Uh, I think most viewers would agree that uh, Kurt Angle maybe has a couple years left in him, but his good good matches are way past him. Uh, I'll tell I you, fuck say, tri- I mean, I'll tell you, fuck Triple H because uh, Kurt Angle on his worst day could beat Triple H on Triple H's best. Oh, I agree. I guess he was alluding to his injuries. Yeah. Kurt could be the ball for Triple H even now. 
got to agree with you. Got to agree with you. And uh, <laughs> uh, very interesting what happened. Okay, uh, here's some information uh, via Solomon Monster TV tracks about Kenta Kabasha, uh, and we'll talk about it on the other side. Kenta Kabasha. Uh, okay. We had then the introduction of Kenta. Ric Flair, I think, was supposed to be there to do this, but he pulled out for some unknown reason. So instead it was William Regal, the general manager, which actually made more sense than having Ric Flair there to do this. So Regal comes out. He puts over Kenta Big. They had a video for Kenta, too. They put, they put this guy over like a million bucks on this show. And out comes Kenta, who did his best to speak English, and he is learning. It is a work in progress. He's certainly making more of an effort than the original Sinkara did to learn English. And he spoke in Japanese as well, which kind of lost the crowd a little bit. They didn't crap on him too much, but you could tell they, they you know, he kind of lost them there for a little bit. Probably what he should have done is just in English say, if you'll give me a moment, I'd like to address the Japanese people watching live and then go into it, and maybe people would have understood uh, because they were airing this show. This is how big of a deal him being on NXT was. NXT aired live in Japan because this guy was making his debut. So whatever time it was over in Japan, they were they were watching. They wanted to hear from this guy. So he addressed them in Japanese, and then he started speaking, you know, the broken English. Uh, you know, he, he did pretty good. You know, I could understand what he was saying, but he didn't say much because he's still learning. Uh, but the big news here is that he said... Being here at NXT, it's a dream come true, and I know I have to start over. And part of starting over is getting a new name, I guess, because he said from now on, he will go by the name of Hideo Itami. And they put the name up on the screen, and people in the building didn't know how to react. They're kind of like, oh. I think it was this feeling of just disappointment, because we were kind of hopeful he would use the name Kenta, which is how he's known around the world, and... To be perfectly honest with you, I do think Kenta is just way more marketable. I, I just hear the word Kenta, and I just think, okay, you can chant that. You know, it's it's an easy thing to chant, and it's it's pretty marketable. So yeah, it's kind of cool that they would let him use it, but not the case. He had to change his name. Everyone is just pitching a freak fit. They can't believe this. They already buried him. The burial begins. Kenta's dead before he even has a chance to succeed on NXT. Uh, let let me let me talk about this for a little bit here. First of all, he said that he chose the name because he wanted to pay homage to his mentor. Now he didn't say who his mentor was. Uh, I don't know anybody who worked in Noah or that he worked with named Hideo, who was like a big legend in Japan. You know, some people thinking he took the name Hideo after the baseball player Hideo Nomo, which I think is maybe he did, but I think that's just a dumb generalization for people to make. Like. Who's the, the first person I could think of with the name Hideo? Well, it was a baseball player, so that must be the guy, as though there's nobody else in Japan named Hideo. That's just a stupid generalization to make. I'm not even sure that any of that is true. That may just be the story that he came up with. Oh, I want to pay respect to my mentor. There may not be a mentor. Or, or his mentor may be uh, Kobashi or Masawa, but <laughs> WWE can't take the Kobashi or the Masawa name and market it, so I don't think they would have allowed him to take that name. Um, it sounds like he at least had input into what the name would be. Now, like I said before, I do think Kenta is is more marketable. John Cena uses his real name, and it's not like WWE isn't making millions of dollars off that guy. But for every John Cena, there's a CM Punk, 
who kept ownership of his name. And wouldn't you know, his lawyer sends a letter to WWE, and they've since removed all of his merchandise from their website. First thing they did was they marked it down. So there were CM Punk DVDs for like $3 on WWE Shop until they all got snapped up. And now there's nothing. You do a search for CM Punk, nothing comes up. All of his merchandise has either been sold or it's been burned or whatever they're doing with it, it's gone. It's no longer available. There's a reason they want ownership of people's names. The situation with Punk is not going to make things any better when it comes to that. Yet a few select morons on the show still chant the guy's name. They chant CM Punk. See, I think during the main event they were chanting CM Punk. You know, and I give the people in full sail... The crowd at Full Sail, I give them shit sometimes because they deserve it. But every now and then, the Full Sail, the full sail crowd will make me proud. And that was one of those moments. Some people started chanting Punk's name, and they were quickly drowned out by booze. I'm surprised they didn't get their asses kicked. That made me so happy to see that, that that, that chant died a death instantly because people would not allow it. They would not stand for it, so they just booed it. But I would tell people, just stop freaking out over the name. It's not a big deal. He'll be fine. And it really, as, as far as the name goes, it's not that bad. Once he makes it to the main roster, you know, Vince has this fetish for one-word names. I'm sure it'll be shortened to Itami. And Itami in Japanese, from what I've read, means pain. That sounds pretty badass to me. I read that on uh, Urban Dictionary. It's where I get all my knowledge from. That's how I learned what a Cleveland steamer was, after John Cena mentioned that in uh, one of his raps on The Rock. And after looking it up, I wish I had never done so. John Cena's a sick man. As far as his debut went, I thought they did as good a job as you could have asked for. I mean, they had the Ascension come out, and you can almost kind of tell. It's like the old school. Like, if you were in a territory, and you were leaving that territory, you would do the, you know, quote, do the honors on the way out, and you would lose. Because it didn't matter. You were going to go away, and back then you can wrestle somewhere else, and nobody would know that you got jobbed out cross-country in some other place because you didn't have the Internet, and just people didn't know. This was kind of like that because the Ascension lost the tag titles. They came back out here. They were showed up by Kent. They got their asses kicked. So you could kind of tell they're probably getting called up soon because it's almost like they're on their way out of the territory, and so now they're doing the honors. So they came out here to uh, confront Kenta. They actually tossed him out of the ring. And I'm sure there were a lot of people who saw that and went, oh, here we go. Already they're making Kenta look like a jabroni. But no, Kenta got right back up on the apron. He took off his jacket. He, I mean, he was going into Kenta mode. And he took both guys on head on. He kicked the crap out of them, got him out of the ring, went outside, grabbed the steel chair, brought it in, opened the chair, sat down in the chair, and motioned for them to come back in the ring and get more. Come get your asses kicked again, he said. And the Ascension backed off. So he handled both guys, Connor and Victor, all by himself and looked like a badass in doing so. I don't see how anybody could complain about this debut. This was one of the strongest debuts I've ever seen for a guy in WWE. Not just NXT. In WWE, period. I thought they handled this great. And I am... I am cautiously optimistic for the future of Kenta. He has to keep learning the language. He can't come up to the main roster barely knowing English and expect that uh, they're going to you know, do much with him because they rely so much on you having promo ability. But if he keeps up at that and he gets better and he gets better, uh, and we already know he can go, he can wrestle. I mean, that's never been the issue. Uh, I like 
what his future looks like. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic right now, but I thought the way All right, JJ, what's your thoughts, uh, Kenta? Yeah, you know, I saw Kenta. That was at the NXT TakeOver. It wasn't a pay-per-view, obviously, but it was their special event where NXT does a live taping, and Kenta finally made his debut, and I was very excited. I heard William Regal announce him as Kenta. They had a beautiful video package. You know, WWE does the best uh, production and and video. Yeah. There's flips and all that good stuff. And I saw the graphic. The graphic on the Titantron or on the screen, it said Kenta. And I was excited. Oh, great. They kept his name. This is awesome. He came down to the (laughs) ring and, you know, he talked. I'm saying, this is great. The fans, you know, the fans at Full Sail, some of them knew who he was. Some of them didn't. So there was a sort of a warm reception. But then there were still some people who were like, well, who's this guy? I heard some people chanting for Yoshitatsu. You know, so on the one hand, he's going to get that mixed response because, unfortunately, this is the WWE now. This is a whole different ball game. There are going to be people who don't know who this guy is. But I thought for the most part, you know, he did a good job introducing himself. And, of course, like they did mention, there was that moment where he said he was going to reintroduce himself as Hideo Itami, and then that's when I just lost all my excitement, and I felt depressed, and I just like, oh, man, really? I was so happy when he came out to Kenta. I saw the graphic, Kenta, and yet they got rid of the graphic, Kenta, and they introduced a new graphic, Hideo Itami. And I, it, I did feel kind of disappointed, but I do understand why they would do that. As he pointed out, the whole situation with Punk, and Punk did send his lawyers to uh, remove all his content with the WWE shop, and that did happen. But, uh, again, again, there's going to be an argument with Punk. Punk will always be a controversial figure. You're going to have people who hate and despise CM Punk for walking out on the company, for walking out on the fans, and say that he, you know, he broke his contract and he owes this and he owes that. And at the same time, I want to say to everyone who thinks that, when the fuck did you people become lawyers? Do you work for the WWE? Why do you care? What do you care about what his contract said? You know what I care about? I care about the human being. And he was miserable. And he hated his job. And he was unhappy. And if you're unhappy, and if you hate your job, what do you do? You walk away. That's what he did. His health and his happiness is much more important to me than some contract. So that's just my opinion. I know a lot of people aren't going to agree with it. I look at a lot of wrestlers who are unhappy with their lives, not just WWE superstars, but wrestlers in general. Just take a few weeks ago, I heard Sean O'Hare committed suicide. Mike Awesome years ago committed suicide. Guys who are unhappy, who aren't doing well with their lives, and they have no way out. Punk saw a way out, and right now he's doing things that make him happy. So I say kudos to CM Punk. Is it annoying for fans who go to the arenas and chant for CM Punk when other guys are busting their ass? Yeah, I can understand why people would be upset. But at the same token, I care more about the individual and the human being. Again, like I said, that's just my point of view. Again, I'm from Chicago. I'm a straight-edge guy. A lot of you don't know this. I don't think I've even told you, Jordan, but I don't drink alcohol. I don't smoke. I've never done a drug in my life except Advil. Advil and Tylenol is all I've ever taken. So I can relate to a guy like CM Punk who talks about the straight-edge lifestyle. That's something that I believe in. It's something that I've been following my whole life. My whole life, 
I didn't even know that there was a term straight edge until I started watching Punk 10 years ago in TNA, and Mike Tanay said, oh, this guy CM Punk from Chicago, he's straight edge. I said, well, what the hell straight edge? Is that a gimmick? Is that is a character? I, I said, oh, wow, this is actual real underground movement of people who don't drink, who don't smoke, don't do drugs. That's me. I'm that guy. So I can understand him. I relate to a guy like CM Punk. That's why I stand up for the guy. But that's me. Back to Kenta and wrestling. So Kenta eventually did make his in-ring debut last week on NXT, and he did a great job. He wrestles Justin Gabriel, and I thought it was a really nice match. I saw a lot of, of course, a lot of people who imitated Kenta, guys like Daniel Bryan, who kind of uses his kicks, his lethal, lethal kicks. Oh, my God. Kenta was kicking the hell out of Justin Gabriel. It was a really great match. Of course, Justin Gabriel was kind of fed to the wolves. It was a way to just display. I keep saying Kenta because I keep forgetting to call him Hideo Itami. But uh, Hideo Itami did some lethal kicks, and his new finishing move was a sort of a double stomp off the top rope. Now, a lot of fans of Kenta might know that he used to do the running knee, which, of course, Daniel Bryan does. He used to do the go to sleep, the GTS, which, of course, CM Punk stole. So, obviously, he won't be doing those moves in the WWE, at least not right now. So, right now, it seems that his finishing move is a double stomp off the top rope. But I thought it was an impressive debut. And, yes, uh, the Ascension, who were the tag team champions in NXT, they did confront Kenta. They ambushed him. They had a little beat down. He tried to hold them off as best as he could. But it seems like we should be seeing uh, the Ascension continue to fight uh, Hideo Itami. And hopefully, as we see the Ascension constantly target uh, Kenta, or like I said, I keep calling him Kenta, Hideo Itami, we will see hopefully someone like Kevin Steen from Ring of Honor make his NXT debut, or hopefully Prince DeVitt, who's in uh, the Performance Center, make their debut and back up Kenta, and maybe they'll form some sort of a new faction in NXT where you have Prince DeVitt, Kenta, and Kevin Steen. I think that would be tremendous. I think the best wrestling right now that's viewable, I mean, I know it's not television, I know it's a WWE Network, but I enjoy what they do on NXT. I think you see great wrestling. Uh, it's really simple. It's one hour. It's not a lot of time. They don't have time to screw around. They have to be very focused. They have to make their promos quick and to the point. You know, they might have some silliness with Adam Rose here and there, but I appreciate the wrestling, and the wrestling is something they always do a really great job at. You know, at the NXT special event, they had Charlotte, which is Ric Flair's daughter, take on one of the NXT wrestlers, Bailey, and Charlotte was just awesome. She did a great job. It was one of the, the best women's matches I've seen probably since the previous NXT uh, uh, special event. And then they had a fatal four-way between Adrian Neville, Tyson Kidd, Sami Zayn, and Tyler Breeze, which just stole the show. And, in fact, a few weeks ago on Monday Night Raw, they really were heavily promoting that uh, NXT uh, special event because they can't call it a pay-per-view because it's on the network, so they call it a special event. The NXT stars took Raw by storm, and we saw a nice tag match between Adrian Neville, Sami Zayn versus Tyler Breeze and uh, Tyson Kidd, and it was one of the most talked-about moments on Raw a few weeks ago. So NXT is uh, very exciting right now. 
Tyson Kidd back in NXT again. Wow. So yeah. he's been there a while. I mean, back and forth, that is. So yeah. uh, we'll see what happens uh, with uh, that. You want to weigh in on... Uh, well, let me just say that the uh, drug thing, I agree with you, uh, JJ, but there are people who have life-altering situations where they must take drugs, i.e. medication, so I will not chastise those who have severe oh, yeah. injuries or, or whatnot. And uh, I think well, agree with you on that. Well, here's the thing, King. I agree with you 100%. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with marijuana. You'll never hear me talk bad about marijuana. You'll never hear me talk bad about any drug out there. I'm just saying for me and my personal lifestyle, it's something that I've chose not to do. That's it. I don't condone anyone who does. If you drink beer, alcohol, vodka, I don't care what you do. As long as you're healthy, as long as you're okay, that's fine. You're entitled to what you do, just like I'm entitled, and I enjoy the straight-edge lifestyle of being drug-free, alcohol-free, and tobacco-free. It's just my preference, but I don't condone anyone else. J.J., I applaud you, bro. I really do. I take my hat off to you. I'm sober 23 years. I know what it's like to hit bottom, and you feel like you ain't going to get back to the top. But I'm sober 23 years. I don't smoke anymore. I don't drink. And I'm happy. I I didn't know what straight edge meant, neither. I thought it was a gimmick. I thought it had something to do with wrestling. I didn't know it was, like, a real thing. Yeah. Oh, my. It's a real thing. Yeah. That's that's really awesome. And the way cigarettes are now, and I don't smoke, by the way, I quit uh, almost a decade ago, but here in New York, they're almost like $15 a pack. Uh, wow. I remember once upon a time, they were like $7 and uh, maybe even less, Dominic. You probably remember, right? Yeah, yeah I remember here. when it was 50 cents a pack. Wow. <laughs> I had a friend that me and my father worked with. He He used to go to the cheapest place to get cigarettes. In my neighborhood, Jamaica Avenue and Lefferts Boulevard, there was a newsstand there that the cheapest they were at one point was 69 cents a pack. And my buddy says, when when they raise their price to 70 cents or more, that's when I'm going to quit. He never quit. He used to smoke the non-filtered ones and would cough like, like a son of a bitch and Spit out little bits of tobacco and Ooh. not not fun, not fun at all. And of course, they raised the price little yeah. by little by little, more and more. You go to a strip oh joint, they're probably more yes. than fourteen dollars a pack. Yes, yeah, if you add up all the money that people buy for cigarettes, uh, you go to strip joint and have some change. <laughs> That's the way things are now. Crazy, crazy indeed. A friend of mine was uh, in Pennsylvania, uh, and he bought cigarettes, $6 a pack. Yeah, that's what I hear. Pennsylvania is the cheapest uh, in Florida. So what did he do? He went and bought 10 packs. Now, the more he's got, the more he's going to smoke. Yeah, yeah, it's like a catch-22. Yep. (laughs) Okay, uh, will Triple H uh, save the WWE once Vince McMahon... uh, Retires, let's say. I'm from Colorado. Vince McMahon has been called a hypocrite by many former executives and talent in shoot interviews. His statements to the talent and the fans, the PR spin, the rewriting of history and documentaries, 
does not hold water. He also has done some really messed up stuff, like hiring people, then humiliating them, and then firing them. Uh, let's see if we could shorten this here a little bit. He is ruthless, smart, yes, but ruthless. Also has a seemingly distorted point of view. WWE booking is uh, inconsistent, not logical most of the time. It turns off most viewers from the product. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, they still pull four and a half million people every week. You can say the booking is shitty, but it's that's the problem. That's the problem right there. It's not turning off enough people. So there's no incentive for them to make it any less shitty than it already is. Triple H, before he became an executive, was accused of burying many rising stars. In the past, wrestlers who could have become big stars were arbitrarily buried and or punished for doing what Vince says, grabbing the brass ring. This has also been pointed out by many former WWE people, talent who have been de-pushed, mishandled, and or worse. These stars are over, have talent, the it factor, yet are prevented from rising above a certain level. Look at what's happening to the Wyatts, what happened to Ziggler, Barrett, Drew McIntyre, RVD, Tess Rikishi, and others. Now look at how Triple H is trying to protect rising stars, how he books on NXT. It's nothing like Vince. It's starting to look like... Superstars that Triple H wants to protect and grow are being mishandled on the main roster. Is Vince McMahon the real reason that WWE has gone downhill? Not Triple H or any politicking stars like Hogan, Cena, and the above. In other words, is Paul Levesque's bad reputation among fans misdirected or just wrong? If it wasn't for Triple H, would legends like Warrior Bruno and others be making peace with WWE? That, first of all, you're all over the place with this question. You, you, you tackle three or four different things here, one that doesn't even have anything to do with the other. Yes, if it wasn't for Triple H, they would not have made peace with Bruno. They would not have made peace most likely with the Warrior because Vince had already tried dealing with these people before, and these people basically said, fuck off, we don't like you, and so he had given up. That, I mean, that's what Triple H tells the story about wanting to talk to Bruno, and Vince is kind of like, well, hey... Give it your best shot. Do it. Do whatever you want to do if you want to waste your time. I think that was what Vince said to Triple H. If you want to waste your time, then go right ahead. Because Vince had already given up on the idea that Bruno wanted to have anything to do with him or the company. The, the, the heat was between Vince and Bruno. Triple H st stepped in kind of as the peaceful intermediary, and they made something happen. So, yeah, if it wasn't for him, Warrior and Bruno and, and maybe even some others wouldn't have come back into the fold. But that's a completely separate issue. Um, is it is it because of Vince? Look, whatever you see on TV, that's Vince McMahon's product. Nothing that makes television happens without Vince McMahon signing off on it, whether it's his idea or it's an idea that the writing team or Triple H pitches to him. The one thing we do know is that Vince is the end-all, be-all. Triple H says it in every single interview that he does. When people try to compliment him and say, one day you're going to take over or we love what you're doing with NXT and why you know, can't the main product be that way? And he says... At the end of the day, it's Vince's vision. You know, what he says goes. If Vince McMahon goes to The Undertaker four hours, according to Shawn Michaels, before the Undertaker-Lesnar match at WrestleMania and says, you're losing this match, then guess what? You're losing this match. And that's just the way it is. Because he's the boss. You can argue with him. You can try to give him your point of view. And maybe you can even convince him to come around to your point of view. But if not you do what you're told to do because that's what you do. When you go to work, you do what your boss tells you to do no matter what you think of your boss. And if you don't like it, quit. That's how life works. So whatever you see on television is, is Vince's vision. What we've seen lately is a lot of really bad stuff, bad acting, things that don't make any sense. And 
that's on Vince. That's not on anybody else but Vince McMahon. So, yeah, you can blame him for a lot of that stuff. But when there's good stuff, you can blame him for that, too. When the Shield was kicking ass every single week and they were having those awesome matches in the Shield and the Wyatt feud, it was Vince. So you can't say when, when we have the Bella Twins and Jerry Springer in the ring, fuck Vince McMahon, this old fart, he's out of touch, he should step down. And then when the Shield and the Wyatt family are going at it and everyone's creaming themselves, you can say, God bless Triple H, Triple H is our savior. Like, it, it's Vince. Like, you can't have it both ways. You've got to blame him for the good and you've got to blame him for the bad. It just so happens that lately there's been more bad than good. They've been in this, this funk ever since SummerSlam. And some of you guys would say that it goes back even further than that. I would say since SummerSlam. Because there was some real good stuff to build up heading into that pay-per-view. Ever since then, I have been unimpressed and uninspired by anything that we've seen on Raw. Anything. So, will things be different when Triple H ascends to that position if he takes over one day from Vince? I hope so. If, if NXT is any indication, I think the future is in good hands. But who knows? You know, there's a big difference between running an entire company and running the main roster and being responsible for a television show on USA Network that four and a half million people tune into every week and trying to maintain that audience as opposed to going down to Full Sail University a few times a month and overseeing one or two people probably who write the whole show and put together some basic storylines, which is what we see on NXT, that happen to make sense. There's a lot more responsibility involved with Raw and SmackDown and the pay-per-views and everything else. I almost hate the fact that, you know, when that day comes, it would take Triple H away from NXT. Uh, but, yeah, I, I hope that when that time comes that things are going to change and maybe he has a different philosophy than Vince does. And now he's the boss. And so he doesn't have to answer to the old man anymore and he can do whatever he wants. I mean, he can bring back war games if he wants to, right? That was, that was the big story from years ago. Triple H is an old-school NWA guy and he pitched the idea supposedly once to Vince about bringing war games in and Vince said no. He tried. He fought for it. But Vince said no. So I don't think anybody really knows. I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. I don't even know that Triple H knows what he's going to do or how things are going to change if Vince, God forbid, were to die tomorrow and if Triple H was anointed his replacement. We just don't know. Yeah, King, you there? Yeah, I mean, yes. uh, I agree. Uh, you know, the thing with Vince is, like you said, you got to take the good with the bad. You know, there are times, uh, like Dominic was saying, during Monday Night Raw, you saw Dean Ambrose open up the show. I thought, wow, this is a great way to kick off Raw. You have him coming face-to-face with Cena. Cena is saying his right. usual, like, oh, we have a common enemy. We should band together. And Dean Ambrose is like, no, 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 no. I don't like you. Get out of my business before I hurt you. And I thought, that's great. You don't want Dean Ambrose to be buddy-buddy with John Cena the way Roman Reigns was, you know, tag-teaming with Cena. Dean Ambrose has a very unique character. He's not, you know, a guy who kind of runs along and does the right thing. He beats to his own drum. He's a lunatic, you know. He has the nickname of being the lunatic. So I really like the fact that he wasn't, you know. Speaking of lunatics, let me give a shout-out to uh, the guy from Howard Stern that passed away, Eric the Actor. Uh, Dominic, I don't know if you heard of him. 
But no, uh, he was but they announced, funny. Uh, they announced it on Raw. JJ, Michael you... Cole announced that he passed away. But also Paul Bearer's son passed away, and they didn't mention that. Wait, wait, wait. Did you just say Paul Bearer's son passed away? Yeah. Yes. Oh, my. Yeah, 35 That's... years old, something like that. One of his sons posted it on him. Facebook. Yeah, he said, I lost Didn't my they father. Induct him? What? He has two. He had a couple sons, I think, and then they inducted him, right? Yeah, uh, a couple yeah. Of years back. Yeah, wait. Let me see if I still have it in my notes because I I did on my hotline today. I covered Raw, and I put a little so bit I of remember, news on it. Some of the stuff I still have. They were saying, uh, well, when Paul Barrow was inducted, the uh, son did the oh yes, very well. That's right. Well, one of the sons, I don't know which. Here it is. Michael Moody. The son of Paul Bearer died, 34 years old. Michael's brother, Daniel, put it on Facebook. Yeah, only 35. Oh, my uh-huh. goodness. Yep. That's, that's just terrible. Uh, that family must be really griefing. Yeah, he said, my, Paul. Yeah, he said, my father's gone. I think his mother is gone. He said, now I lost my brother. On fucking real. What yep. about JJ? You heard about this? Paul yeah, Pitt, I believe. I was uh, talking about Eric, the uh, actor. Uh, I think he had something, though, right? I believe uh, he did, and they were talking about it on on Raw yesterday with uh, Eric, the actor, and they mentioned he was a huge uh, wrestling fan. He would go to events, oh, yeah. or they would bring him coming along to their special movie premieres. So I thought on the one hand it was nice they acknowledged him, but then, like Dominic said, it's kind of funny that they didn't acknowledge uh, Paul Bear's son, Michael Moody. I mean, one's related to wrestling and one has nothing to do with wrestling, with all due respect, but that's crazy. I mean, unless they found out late, maybe. uh, No, this was three or four days ago. Oh, wow. And WWE should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I believe all they did was make a statement on WWE.com, but they should have at least acknowledged it on the air as well. Oh, and so that's clear evidence that they knew about it, and they didn't even mention it. Then they mentioned, uh, you know, Howard Stern, you know, guy, but I'm not saying that they shouldn't do one over the other. I'm just saying they should have did both. And they also didn't. Terrible job by the WWE. They didn't mention oh. Sean O'Hare's passing either, but granted, Sean O'Hare committed suicide, but Sean O'Hare was a former WWE and WCW wrestler. Oh, yeah, they didn't mention and, him neither, yeah. Right, right. And uh, Sean O'Hare, didn't he team up with Palumbo at one time in WCW? Mm-hmm. I believe, I don't know if wow. they were called the Nationals or something. Yeah, they were a tag team. Yeah, I think they were their last tag team champions before the company folded. Yeah. Yeah. I read this oh, today, wow. and it just really bothers me. They took away Antonio Cesaro's signs that said yeah. King of Wrestling, and it was a cardboard of Antonio Cesaro's face. Now, right. they, why take it away? They 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 asked the security guard, why are you taking it away? And the security guard just shrugged his shoulders like, I don't know why. I, don't know. I was told to do it. But the yeah, guy didn't make a big was. stink about about why it was taken away. I guess yeah. Cesaro is supposed to be a heel, so you can't have you can't be in favor of a heel. Uh, that's ridiculous. Yep. Yeah. It is. Ridiculous. That's yeah, they should be doing that. And, and they took signs uh, away. Listen, what happened to 
freedom of speech. We're not in uh, South Africa or the U.K. or any of those countries. We're in America, damn it. Last time they took away signs, it said the Cesaro section, and everybody had a hand in their signs. Now this one was a picture of Cesaro. Something like that, that's one thing. But you're talking about wrestling. Oh, goodness gracious. I I remember, Dominic and JJ, you probably remember when they used to write, Turner fixes the ratings. And that got in somehow. Yeah. Is uh, that the you know they used to sneak that right through and somehow that guy in. Yeah, during the Attitude Era, you saw all kinds of signs of you know Vince fears Bischoff or you know all kinds of signs on Monday yeah. Night Raw where they were promoting even ECW fans with ECW signs and yet those signs never got taken away then. But now during this whole PG era. They're confiscating all kinds of signs, signs of their own talent. It's not even TNA signs. It's not even CM Punk signs. It's signs of Cesaro, a guy who works for your company, and they're taking away just right. because they're fans of him and because they want to, you know, cheer a name or you know, King of Swing. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's going a bit too far. It is, yep. Now, I notice when I watch TNA, there's all kind of fans there. I see D- Daniel Bryan T-shirts. CM Punk t-shirts, and yep. they never tell them, you know, take that shirt, put it on inside out, or give them another shirt to wear. They don't do right. that. They don't care. Wrestling yeah. fans are wrestling fans. Exactly. I mean, if I want to go to a wrestling show and wear a Derek Jeter baseball t-shirt, nobody's going to tell me, this ain't a baseball park. You can't wear that t-shirt. I say, fuck you. That's right. But. But they want to uh, take signs away. They don't want you to wear certain shirts. I don't know. I think it's all stupid. It's censorship. And it's not right. It shouldn't be. That's right. And they didn't do this back in the day. I tell you, they really, uh, I don't know, with the posters, especially if a guy is on the same team. I mean, you're not talking about TNA now. Uh, Yeah. It's ridiculous. But in any event, it's not even offensive language. Like, it's a sign that says, you know, the F word or shit or a bad word. It's not even a bad word. It's not even a graphic of a woman half naked or something. It's just a sign for one of their own guys. And, Dominic, you always had that segment, the the sign of the week, in your uh, show. Yeah, well, I I really don't do all that no more. Just what I do is. I just outlined the shows, basically, and say, this show was good. This could have been better. CMLL has the same guys every week. That's what I do. I don't do, basically, you know, I don't do sign of the week or whatever. I don't I don't right. do that no more like I used to. Wrestler of the week or match well, of the week. You can't do sign of the week no more. you got to try to find the sign of the week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember uh, somebody unreal. telling me a long time ago that there was a sign for Raven that says, Raven fears Soap. I thought that was hysterical. And it was Maybe a sign <laughs> years back that said, I like potatoes. And I remember asking somebody. Yeah, they see some classic signs back in the day. Yeah, I used I asked somebody, I, said, I like potatoes. I don't get it. And they said a potato shot is when you hit somebody stiff. Mm. And you, oh, hit yeah. them, you hit them hard <laughs> and you hit them stiff like you mean it. That's called a potato shot. I said, I never heard that. Uh, <laughs> you probably never will. Unreal. Uh, recently, Stone Cold Steve Austin interviewed uh, Kevin Nash 
Uh, let's listen to some of the, uh, the show, and uh, we'll debate on the other side. Stone Cold All right, Steve folks, Austin. if you're looking to buy something online you want to support the Steve Austin Show, here's what you got to do. Go to podcastone.com and click on the Steve Austin Show. Look for the Amazon banner and click. Doing that gets you to the same Amazon place you normally go, but with a bonus. Amazon kicks back a small percentage of the sale to help support the show. That means more Steve and fewer ads to pay for doing this. Plus, you don't pay any extra for anything. Same Amazon, same prices. Now, I'm not telling you to go buy something here. I'm just saying that when you do decide to go Amazon shopping, go to podcastone.com and click the Amazon banner right there on my page, the Steve Austin Show. You can just click the banner, then save the URL as your Amazon page. It's that easy. Then, every time you shop Amazon, you'll be helping the Steve Austin Show climb to the top of the podcast mountain. Thank you very much for supporting the cause. The following program is a PodcastOne.com production. From Hollywood, California, by way of the Broken Skull Ranch, and an occasional side trip to Mexico, this is the Steve Austin Show. Give me a hell yeah. Hell yeah. Now, from the Onnit.com Total Human Optimization Studio, here's Steve Austin. All right, everybody, this is Steve Austin. Welcome to the SAS. This is my first show back in the Los Angeles studio, and I'll be damned. When I first moved to Los Angeles about 10 years ago, as I was driving in, I saw this big fucking ball of smog hanging over the city. And I was thinking to myself, what the fuck am I getting myself into? Well, fast forward 10 years down the road as I'm flying back into this motherfucker from Mexico and I see that big ball of smog, I breathed a sigh of relief. I was happy to be going back to this big shithole. Back to the land of no blinkers, people texting while driving. I risk life and limb trying to get this motherfucker to try to pump out quality audio entertainment for anybody with enough guts to listen to this motherfucker. I got a damn good episode today. I'll be talking to one of my best friends from the business of professional wrestling, my old partner, my old travel partner, Kevin Nash. Before I let into Kevin Nash and unleash him on the world, I'm going to take care of a little bit of business right here. Check it out. All right, guys, you guys have heard me talking about all these amazing supplements I've been taking, but here's the deal. If you haven't already, you need to get some for yourself at onnit.com slash Steve. Don't forget the slash Steve part. When you go to onnit.com slash Steve, you not only get the best supplements on earth, you get 10% off. You save money and help keep this show free for everybody. But I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, hell, Steve, I'm already too smart as it is. I don't need that alpha brain. Or maybe my body is a physical specimen like a redneck Adonis. I don't need to work out with that shroom tech sport to lift those kettlebells. Well, that's all well and good. But if you're over 25, you need to boost your testosterone. So go to onnit.com slash Steve. You're going to get 10% off one of the safest, healthiest, and most effective ways to help your body boost testosterone ever created. Right now by going to onnit.com slash Steve and putting some T-plus in your cart. This stuff's going to make you feel like a damn teenager again. You can see how it works at onnit.com slash Steve. But what you really need to do is feel what it does. You're going to put on muscle easier. You're going to have more energy, motivation, more motivation than you can imagine. And anything with two legs and a pair of tits you see walking by in your flagpole is going to be a full-ass salute. And I ain't kidding about that. And if it doesn't happen like that, you can get all your money back. No questions asked. 
So go to onnit.com slash Steve. That's O-N-N-I-T dot com slash Steve. Get your 10% discount off T-Plus and your entire order and help support this show. That's O-N-N-I-T dot com slash Steve. Be sure to put in the slash Steve to get your discount. <sighs> I love me some onnit.com slash Steve. Check it out. I'm really excited to be back in the studio today because you guys have heard about all the hassles and horror shit I had trying to do this damn show from Mexico with no technology skills. So now that I'm back in the studio, i got a little quality time, and I ain't got to worry about pushing buttons and fucking a bunch of shit up. I'm excited to talk to my old buddy, Kevin Nash. Now, I first met Kevin at Center Stage in downtown Atlanta back in the days. Hell, it might have been 91. And when I first saw this son bitch at 6'10 and 350 pounds, the first thought in my head was not like, hey, I bet this is going to be one funny motherfucker. It wasn't that. Because back in the day, Kevin kind of had that thousand-yard stare going, and he had the shoulders that looked like gigantic cantaloupes and 23-inch guns. And when you see a pile of human monstrosity like that, the last thing you think is, this is going to be a funny motherfucker. You think... I don't want to fuck with this crazy son of a bitch. So anyway, I went over and shook hands, and we started talking. And then we started laughing like a son of a bitch and pretty much became friends straight right from the start. So check it out. Here's Kevin's career. Between WWE, WCW, and TNA, Kevin has won a total of 21 championships. He is a six-time world champion, a five-time WCW world heavyweight champion, and one-time WWF champion. Although he has only had one reign as WWF champion, Kevin is recognized by WWE as the longest reigning WWF champion of the 90s and the 10th longest reigning of all time, having held the title for 358 days. He has achieved notable success in the tag team division as well, being a 12-time world tag team champion, a nine-time WCW World Tag Team Champion, a two-time WWF World Tag Team Champion, and one-time TNA World Tag Team Champion. Let me take a fucking break. He's also a one-time WWF Intercontinental Champion and a two-time TNA Legends Champion. In addition to championships, he won the 1998 WCW World War III. Nash was a member of the Click. We're going to talk about the Click real quick, a group which included Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Scott Hall, and Shawn Waltman. He's also one of the three founding members of the New World Order, which we're damn sure going to talk about, along with Hulk Hogan and Scott Hall. Without any further ado, Kevin, welcome to the Steve Austin Show. Brother, how are you? Hey, welcome home. Uh, Goddamn, I'm glad to be home. I need to go take a drink of water, a walk, and a piss after reading all your accolades. I tell you, man, that's what happens when you had the pencil half your career. <laughs> man, it'll book yourself into a hell of a situation. Hey, man, uh, we shot this shit a couple of days ago, and I've been wanting to have you on the show ever since I started this thing, and we're still fresh up and running and all that other horse shit, but I want to talk about a bunch of shit that happened in the business, but right now, let's talk about the here and now. How are you feeling? What are you up to? How's the carcass holding up? I feel rotten. I mean, yeah, I'm beat up to shit, but... Uh, well, don't beat around the bush. How are you really feeling? <laughs> God damn. <laughs> yeah, about, I want to get some of that fucking uh, testosterone replacement shit. Uh, I'll be happy with my shit at half mass. <laughs> are you feeling rough? Talk to me. Yeah, well, sooner or later, I'll die. It'll be over with. But... 
<laughs> As my buddy Kevin Nash always looking at the glass like it's half full. That's always a solution to every problem. So you're not feeling good. You're pissed off. You're moving a little sluggish this morning. I'm full of goddamn energy. Uh, how's the wheels? You goddamn got that big ass fucking upper body. Your wheels got so many damn uh, leg surgeries. How's the wheels coming on? Good. Uh, it's string high volume now. Backing off on a backing off sets. on a poundage, trying to keep those joints good. Yeah, I mean, I can. I, the last my last workout, I ended up uh, fourteen plates on the leg press for twenty reps. And let me guess, you did fourteen wheels on the leg press, and your shoulders grew. My shoulders grow no matter what. I know you're the goddamn only person on earth that can go work legs and get his shoulders to grow. Fancy that. I can fucking look at a goddamn squat bar. My legs would get big, but my shoulders ain't worth a flying shit. The beauty of genetics. <laughs> you know, Rick Rude, Rick Rude uh, always had that badass physique, great, you know, capped off deltoids, jacks, the whole nine yards. But his wheels went up to snuff. But he used to always uh, tell me as we rode down the road, he'd go, for fuck's sake, Steve, it's an upper body business. And he was right. Damn right. Well, you had some uh, bone chips removed out of your elbows. How's that going for you? That, that made a difference. That was kind of a constant, uh, like a two-year pain that was alleviated by finally a surgeon, you know, getting in there and cleaning that out. I think my, my rotator cuff's got some tears in it. But here's the bottom line for all guys. As you come out of the racket that we come out of, you beat the shreds, you're happy about it, uh, you had a great run. Did your dick still get hard? Oh, yeah. Well, see, they got that going for you. And then everything else just kind of falls in line after that. Because when that, when that shit is over, that's kind of when, you know, things ain't so fucking oh. great. Shit, when that's over, it's time to put a bullet in your head. Easy. We can talk about that later as well. Hey, you know what? I want to uh, take these, uh, before you and me take a trip down uh, memory lane, I want to go back because I was reading about you there before we did this interview. And... I've known your ass for a long ass time. We met over at Center Stage, but before you got into business, you were in college. You were at the University of Tennessee, and you—if if my uh, sources are correct—you were majoring in psychology and minoring in educational philosophy. Is that correct? That's correct. You know, you're known as being one of the smarter guys that's ever been in the business. I was reading an article about you several months ago. And those motherfuckers that wrote that thing said you had an IQ of a buck sixty. Was that a work or was that a shoot? I mean, it's I've actually had it, it like tested one at one forty, one forty six. Pretty goddamn six. smart. So let me go back to your uh, major in psychology and minoring in educational philosophy. What the fuck were you going to do with that? Because did you get a degree? No. I okay. Got thrown, I got thrown out of I got of school. I want to get to that. I was on track. Okay, but uh, major in psychology, what were your goals back then at that time? What were you going to do with your life? I had no idea. I, mean, I wanted to play basketball. That was it. But how would you pick the the psychology thing? I mean, cause you, I mean, it could have been anything, but why psychology? I was uh, smart enough to be able to get a syllabus and grab a textbook, and then you know the, the, the lectures were on uh, microfilm back then. So it was pretty much uh, I could I could pretty much not go to class and 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 get a, you know a high C 
which kept me eligible to play on the basketball team. So it just was just the easiest, you know, it was the easiest path to, you know, path of least resistance to stay eligible, get get good enough grades to, you know, not have anybody climbing up my ass and, you know, not have me, you know, in extra tutors and going to study halls and all that shit. So it was just, it was just, easy, it was just easy for me. So let's talk about basketball for a second. Uh, how tall are you right now? God, Steve, right now I'm probably barefoot, maybe six nine and a half. Six nine and a half, seven eight with the fro. Uh, when you were in high school, when you when you graduated from high school, how tall were you? Were you then? About six eleven and a quarter. Mm, the gravity's a motherfucker, ain't it? So you're six eleven and a quarter. When you came out of high school, are you widely recruited? Could you have gone anywhere in the United States you wanted yeah. to go? Because you ended up going yeah. to Tennessee. Yeah, I could have went anywhere. I could have went. Uh, I mean, anywhere on the West Coast. I could have went anywhere in the ACC. Um, I could have went to any Big Ten school. I had over. I had two hundred some offers. Well, God dang, dude. I mean, well, with that being said, how do you how do you end up going to the University of Tennessee? I mean, you're a cat out of Michigan, Detroit. What was it about Tennessee that drew you to that program? A, I wanted to get out of the state of Michigan. Gotcha. I just wanted, I wanted to go someplace. I wanted to go as far um, away from the snow as I could. But at the same time, I still wanted my mom, right? And, you know, to be able to see me. And you know, Knoxville is about 500 miles, which is about as far as you know somebody can possibly, you know, like go, you know, make a trip on a weekend, come on, leave Friday, and then go, you know, go back after the game on Saturday. That was kind of like the radius we were looking at, and uh, I went down there. And at the time, um, there were no pro sports in Tennessee. You know, the, the Titans didn't exist. Right. Uh, there were no. You know, so when you played for the University of Tennessee, you pretty much played for the pro team in Tennessee. Celebrity status. Yes. So you immediately, if you were, in my case, uh, you know, come basketball season, you know, you were. One of the few uh, white boys that got any, any playing time. You were kind of big man on campus, so it was kind of a, you know shooting ducks in a barrel kind of situation. So. Well, let's talk about your basketball game. I mean, were you tough in the paint? Were you a rebounding cat? What was your game? Post up? Yeah, I was. I mean, I knew when I, I knew going in that they had plenty of offense. I knew they had you know they had Reggie Johnson, who was an All SEC guy. He was a six ten uh, <laughs> offensive machine. Um, later on, we got Dell Ellis that played, you know, for a hundred years in the NBA. Was one of the greatest three-point shooters in the NBA history. Uh, so I mean, I knew I basically I was going to go in and just kind of play, you know, do the dirty stuff, rebound, play defense. I always covered the toughest, uh, big, you know, the toughest inside guy they had offensively. I, mean, I covered McHale. Like, I mean, I played, I played against a lot of good guys back in the day. Well, but, tell me about uh, your career. Did you play three or four seasons there? Three. Okay, three. You've got an altercation with the coach. How does this break down? What was the situation at hand? We're playing Kentucky at Kentucky, and um, you know, I mean, that's always that was our you know Tennessee's big rival. Gotcha. And uh, late in the first half, uh, one of our guys got fouled. We went up to the foul line, and back then we had two referees, so you, you could. You didn't have that third referee, so when, when a referee was handing the guy the ball and the other referee walked by us 
to our uh, right-hand side as we're getting set up on the side, you know, to, for free throw. Once that, once you saw the one referee, um, his attention go to hand the guy the ball, and the other guy's back was to you, you know, who was if you were the cheap shot guy, which I was, and a lot of guys were, and the guy next to me was a guy named uh, Levon Williams, I think was his name. I think it was a, from it was a Kentucky kid, uh, played at, or came out of Denver, about six eight, six seven guy, but you know, good, you know, pretty pretty good body on him, kind of, and he was just the same as me, kind of a hatchet guy. <clears throat> and he just, you know, I was having, I was starting to have a good game, and then up in Knoxville, I'd scored ten points like in a row on him. Ended up turning the game around, so they they were going to get me out. So the guy elbowed me in the side of the head. I fired back at him, and it kind of had a bench clearing incident. They threw me out of the game. So you know, my my coach, being the genius he was, instead of just leaving me in the locker room, he brings me back for the second half. Sits me at the end of the bench, you know, where everybody can give me hell. They're throwing oranges at me, which was a common thing because we were the big orange. They throw right. oranges at us. So, you know, I'm pissed off. I'm sitting there. I can't do anything. We end up losing. We're going back down the locker room. And he comes up to me and gets in my face and says, you know, you're happy now, motherfucker. You know, you're hothead. You cost us a game. You cost us a game. And I pushed him aside and walked in the locker room. So we got in the locker room. I was sitting down. I was undoing my shoes. He stood right over me and, you know, started shit back up with me. And he just kept saying, you know, you want to hit somebody, hit me. You want to hit you so tough. You want to hit somebody, hit me. And I just stood up. I fucking just open hand smacked him right in the fucking head. And, uh, so what'd he do? Did he sell it? <laughs> went down like a bitch. <laughs> the fucking team looked at me like, what the fuck? Did he get back up? Did he try to come at you? Had he had enough? What no, happened? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he knew. He knew. He fucked he knew, up. He, he Don't knew, get he up. Right then he said that he brought the Detroit out of that boy. No, I thought he was, it was a, he was typical, you know, typical for those guys. But he was a Bobby Knight gotcha. disciple. Gotcha, gotcha, you know, gotcha. He, he was that guy. You so know, then you, you get kicked off the team uh, immediately? No, no. He, he got to the point. See, I, I was, I've always at least had some street smarts. So I immediately got an attorney. In town, and I figured, you know, because they told me, you know, he said you're off the team, and you know, whatever. And I said yeah, whatever. So we went back uh, to Knoxville that night on a charter. The press had already got a hold of it because when I when I pushed, like I left the locker room because my girlfriend was a cheerleader at the time, and I left the locker room to go, you know, go grab her and tell her what was up, you know, and. Uh, when I pushed the locker room door, like I pushed like 20 reporters away from there. They were all sticking with their ear up against the mm -hmm. door. So they, they heard everything. So it was immediately out. So University of Tennessee knew they had a PR nightmare on their, on their hands because people had seen him grab me in the hallway. On Sunday, I got a call. We, went, we met over in the athletic department, uh, athletic director's uh, office. You know, and they said, you know, we got this, we got to let, you know, put this thing at rest. And so we, me and the coach came on TV and had a press conference and basically said it was just, you know, misunderstanding. Between two, you know, the old heated exchange between two competitive people. Heated exchange. You know, mm. <laughs> but nothing happened, you know. So when are you off the team? No, I finished the season. I mean, and we played Florida at home the next game and I started because any. Any change in the in the in the lineup would have meant that I was being punished. 
So the season's now, over. You decide not to come yeah. back for the fourth season? No, I, I was just I was going. I was I actually was uh, it was it was the the spring semester, and um, we had a, a an RA on our floor that was a, just an asshole, and he came down and said he smelt uh, weed in my room, and I wasn't doing anything. Not you. And he said he wanted to he said he wanted to search my room. Yep. I said no. He started to come in my room, and I fucking doubled him over with a gut shot, <laughs> threw him out in the hallway. Well, he went and pressed charges with campus police, and they came, and you know, they were acting like they were going to arrest me, and I told them I didn't, I didn't put my hands on him. I said, they ain't got a mark on him. So they just pushed him out of my room. I said, you ain't got the right to come in my room. Patented shot to the drum, no mark, street smart kid. Nothing. So then they bounced yeah. you out. What happened? So then, uh, so now it's like the, I'm, on, I'm on, like, double secret probation. Yep. So I've got a, I've got a black, uh, black studies class at, like, 6 o'clock at night on like Tuesday, Thursdays, and I'm walking across the middle of campus and I'm, I'm smoking a, a, a joint. And this girl like comes and stands like dead in front of my, in front of my, uh, like my path. Yeah. And just stands there. And I try to walk around her. She takes it. She says, she says, what is that? And I said, I said, what is, what is it? I said, you've never seen a joint before? She said, I thought so. I said, what the fuck ever? And just kept walking by and took my, you know, took up Got more hits, you know, so I make a few class and put her out for the walk home. So does she narked on you? I got a, yeah, just nothing. You know, so and, then they uh, kicked you out. Yeah, <laughs> they, they built the case up, and I was I was just strong. So that was it. Uh, you, you're out of school on your ass, and then you end up in the European League. Uh, long story short, how was the European League? Back then, it was like you know, I, I equated it to playing like uh, mid-level, any dough, mid-level college, any dough, two-ish. Got gotcha. you about two hundred grand. Well, that's good money, shit, especially back in the day. So you get out of the European League, and you go to the army, and you get a NATO job. Yeah. Before you tell me about the NATO job, I got to take a quick break and take care of some business. Hang in there, Kevin. All right, buddy. Hey, you guys, tired of your hassles with your current mobile provider? And you got to check out Ting. Ting is mobile that makes sense. With Ting, you select a plan that you think fits how many minutes, text messages, and megabytes you'll need. Then you only pay for what you use. If you come in under the amount, they give you credit the next month. If you go over, you only pay for the minutes or data you use. At Ting, they never charge you an overage fee or penalty. You can have multiple devices on one plan for just six bucks a device. No setup or extra fees. Ting is basically a reseller of the nationwide Sprint network. And Ting has a no-hold customer support. If you call from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern, a live person will actually pick up the phone and be there to help you. There's no contract to sign either. If you want to cancel, believe it or not, it's easy. Your bill is also easy to read with none of those extra line item costs. Ting also gives you free picture, video messaging, voicemail, call forwarding, and a whole bunch more. Plus, you get a powerful online control panel, which helps you monitor and change your account. Just go to steve.ting.com. That's steve.ting.com. Or click on the banner on the Steve Austin Show page at podcastone.com. By doing that, you'll save 25 bucks on your first mobile device purchase or get a 25 buck credit towards service if you bring your own. Ting. It's mobile that makes sense.
Coming back in with Kevin Nash, and he just got a job with NATO. No, he just enlisted in the Army and is with NATO. What in the hell were you doing in NATO? My MOS was 95 Bravo, which is a military policeman. And back then, uh, the number one threat to, uh, to West Germany was um, a Soviet attack which which they would one of the you know it would be a Soviet, Soviet mechanized attack attack I mean that's how back back then you know it was everything was conventional and they would have to uh because we didn't have the you know the tanks or anything to stop that kind of movement um we would uh, you know our satellite systems would pick up just if nothing else the, the heat signature of that much armor moving and we would have you know we had you know probably 12 to 18 hours to, to get into position because they had to go through there was like just only a couple of gaps you know in, in the in the region there that they could they could bring it through and one of them was was the full the gap if anybody you know you can just google full the gap and it will you know you, you read the whole history on, on on how we you know basically was were guided to protect that that was the from, from the 42nd Field Artillery back then, that was like our, our objective, which I was assigned to. And we would just meet them with um, everything we had, basically. And my job was basically to, to be at a NATO site and uh, to guard the weapons. So that's what I did for three years. So your, your time is up. You head back to Detroit. You get a job on the assembly line at Ford. What exactly were you doing? I'm putting tires on the right side. Putting tires on the right side. Now, I know you're a big fan of the Ford Bronco. Both of us have Broncos. Now, is your allegiance or your loyalty to the Blue Oval because you worked there? You just dig the Bronco? Well, my dad worked there. Gotcha. And uh, my, my stepdad worked there. I mean, you know, we've all, you know, I, I pretty much, my entire life was, was, was fed by that Blue Oval. So it's just, you know, we're kind of a Ford family. So you're at the uh, assembly plant, and as I'm reading your wiki page, you end up down in Atlanta bouncing out of Titty Club. What just gets you in your head and says, hey, man, fuck uh, working on the assembly line. I'm heading down to Atlanta. What was the transition? What, what were you thinking? Well, what happened was um, when I was over in Europe, I, you know, I, I blew my knee out. I mean, I fucked it up bad. I, tore, I did it ACL, PCL, MCL. So I had a couple, I had one operation over there and came back and had another operation. But that's been, then all of a sudden it was just like the, the, the European team knowing I wasn't going to come back, just they weren't going to pay for anything else. And I wasn't fixed yet. So I had to get on the assembly line uh, and, and, and work, I forget what it was, but I think it was 120 or 180 days, whatever it was, to get full insurance. Long story short, I had one guy that I knew I could trust, and I was over by the, the car's hook on a chain, and I was over messing with this chain, and, you know, they started the the, the, the line back up at lunch, and I acted like I kind of got caught in it and pulled my leg, but it didn't, but, we, you know, I, I took a bump, and uh, my buddy said, yeah, I saw the whole thing, and, you know, so I went ahead and milked the system, real proud of it, and, uh, Got some free medical and a little workman's cap for the for my uh, anguish. So while I was uh, rehabbing my knee, a buddy of mine said, "Hey, you know they got a place down in uh, on Michigan Avenue called BT's, looking at looking for a bouncer. Working at a strip club there. Met some guys from Atlanta that were uh, 
kind of shifty guys, but they invited me to come down to work for them down in Atlanta. Ended up that they um, were being watched by the FBI. Long story short, the FBI raided our, our uh, office complex, arresting everybody in the process, including myself. They held everybody because they didn't have they didn't have the, the the brains of the operation. And I was looking at like, geez, like five or six counts of wire fraud, six or seven counts of mail fraud. Each one of those was like a seven-year sentence. So it looked like I was going to get down the tubes, but I just kept my mouth shut. I just acted like I didn't know anything. And I just kept telling them that I was muscle. You know, the reason I was there was, was that they just needed muscle. So finally, uh, you know, I got out of that. They told me they were going to release me. They released me. They told me the guy that had given me my... Uh, my second summons, uh, a guy named Peter Both, was going to be waiting for me at the end of the steps of this courthouse. I came down, and he was standing there, and he took me in his car over to the Cheetah, and they, was, they were looking for a, a, a floor manager at the strip club. And I walked in the door, and lo and behold, that was my career for the next I guess, three years. Didn't you get noticed there by somebody that said, hey, it's a big sound bitch, you ought to get into the business of pro wrestling? What was your introduction into yeah. the business? Yeah, the boys, the boys would, uh, it was just, you know, the center stage was just, my God, maybe three miles from there. And uh, Wyndham, I think, was the first one that talked to me. And then I was training at Coffee's Gym mm -hmm. in uh, Marietta on Franklin Road. And the Steiners, both Robbie and Scotty, trained there. And Scotty was just... All right, we're going to leave it there until next week. A uh, good interview with Kevin Nash, and uh, uh, I didn't even know that they were that close. Uh, JJ, let me get your take. Yeah, it's cool to hear uh, his story on how just before what he was doing uh, before wrestling, and that's always interesting to, to me because everybody has a different journey and a different path right. and how they got into professional wrestling. So I did like that aspect, and I learned a lot about Kevin Nash. And Kevin Nash oftentimes through a lot of fans he maybe he has a bad reputation they call him lazy or they call him or he hates you know vanilla midgets but i think kevin nash you know as we pointed out in that interview he's a very smart guy he's got a high iq and i noticed you know when he called out a lot of the guys for being vanilla midgets he did the same thing uh when cm punk was champion and lo and behold Next thing you know, he's working with the guy. So I think every time Nash speaks out about something, I think he does it with the intent that he can get heat. He gets heat, and the next thing you know, everybody's talking about him, which is good for him because now the fans are basically promoting him for free, and that gets word out. And next thing you know, people are talking about, oh, did you hear Nash said blah, blah, blah about this and so-and-so. And next thing you know, Nash is back on television, and he's feuding possibly with so-and-so. So I think Nash is a really smart, intelligent guy, and he, he's very aware of what he says, and uh, you know he uses that, and I think he plays towards it. And I, first of all, it was just great to hear Stone Cold Steve Austin again, especially an uncensored yeah. Stone Cold Steve oh, yeah, Austin. I mean, what, what's better than that? I mean, that was just great. And uh, it was very interesting is that uh, what's it, last week or so, the WWE actually promoted Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast on Monday Night With Raw, which was, very, which was very interesting because 
it made a lot of people speculate on what's Austin's relationship with the WWE that they would promote his podcast. Because technically, I mean, he's not in the roster. He doesn't really work for WWE. But uh, it makes right. a lot of people question whether or not he'll be back or whether or not he'll do a special appearance again at WrestleMania 31. I mean, to my knowledge, the poster for WrestleMania 31 is Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton, Roman Reigns, John Cena, Brock Lesnar, Wade Barrett, and Biggie Langston. So it's very interesting about what could happen between now and, of course, WrestleMania and how Austin is maybe more heavily involved in WWE. But, you know, the. Uh, maybe the they're trying to get him Austin to do one more match. I think so. I think <laughs> All these they want that one match. Everybody wants one more match. Hogan wants a match. Sting wants a match. Austin maybe will have a match. Who knows? But it was a really great interview, and I enjoyed hearing a lot about Kevin Nash's story and just things that he went through, and uh, it was very interesting. Uh, I, I liked it. And Dominic, your take? Yeah, I thought it was very interesting, too, with the stuff that he did before wrestling. Although, right. in wrestling, I'm not the biggest Nash fan at all. I don't think he's got all that ability. I think, uh, you know, he's very slow and sluggish, and as his knees progressively got worse... He he got worse. I mean, you know, for a That's big guy, right. he was no big lazy. Tell. They have called yeah, him big, big lazy. lazy in the past. Yep. But uh, he was around in a uh, very big in the uh, the biggest time in wrestling. Some would say when the NWO yeah. formed. Yep. Uh, yeah. Him, Scott Hall, and Hulk Hogan, and those are the real NWO members. I mean. I know they had X-Pac, and they know they had Big Boss Man, Mike Rotundo, and Buff Bagwell, and, and Virgil, and this one, and that one. and Open Yeah, that's Dick. when Bischoff said, either you join the NWO or you're fired, and it's got Norton right. joined and everybody else. Joined. Then it got yeah. to be but a to mess. me, it was just good with them three, and when they came back to WWE the, mm-hmm. a couple of years later, yep. in uh, 2002, with Vince McMahon, that was uh, unique because at the time, uh, Vince hated Hogan, and we would never thought we would ever see Hogan return to the WWE uh, to wrestle A and to be a bad guy. So uh, just the change in uh, philosophies. And uh, Kevin Dash, while his WWE run wasn't great, his WCW uh, slash NWO run was quite significant. I think we all have Definitely. to agree on that. Yeah, I mean, uh, in WWE, I kind of forgot that he was one of the top reigning uh, champions. In the number 10, you know, 358 days as champion. He was only a champion once. He had matches with Bret Hart, with Razor Ramon, Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker. I kind of forgot about or a lot of his history the there because, like you pointed Undertaker. out, I mean, we all remember uh, – WCW and NWO, I mean, that was huge and everything. And uh, his feud with Goldberg, I mean, he had so many big moments in his career in uh, WCW. And I know maybe his career wasn't as big or as memorable in in TNA, but, you know, I enjoyed when Nash was there and he was a part of the Motor City uh, Machine Guns. or He kind of helped uh, Chris Sabin get into character. We saw him with Alex Shelley, and we saw them kind of forming this sort of group, and they were the Detroit guys and he would be like their manager, but eventually, you know, he would part ways, and then you know, Saban and Shelley would reform, and then they established themselves as the Motor City Machine Guns. But, uh, you know, Nash has always found a way to 
you know, find a way to, to work within the company, whichever he was at, and to, you know, do what he thought was best. Like uh, Dominic said, not the best in the world. You won't remember uh, his wrestling abilities. But then a guy, like I said, there are some people, their skills uh, with promos or just the look, they have the look. He did have the look. Right. Whether or not he had the skills, you know, that's up to debate. He, was, he just pointed out he's 6'11". He already had knee problems before he even got into wrestling. So, you know, I don't expect him to do a, a whole lot of crazy stuff in the ring. You know, for a big guy, will he be remembered as the biggest, baddest big guy? Probably not. But I think, you know, the career he had, it really is a Hall of Fame career, especially in his time in WCW. So, you know, he's had a, a hell of a, a time in his career. Uh, he sure has, and uh, so the next, uh, let me see, the, uh, I'm hearing now that Spike will take TNA till the end of the year. Have you heard anything? Uh, but yeah, I've I also heard that they, yes, that's yeah, true. I believe even, yeah, I believe even Blackjack pointed out, I think the last time we were on, that even though their contract is up uh, at the end of September, they did sign an extension that should carry out at least to the end of the year until TNA finds a new home. But uh, a lot of problems with that is guys who have contracts that are coming up. Let's say someone like Bully Ray or Austin Aries, they have contracts that are coming up. And in Ken Bully Ray's case, his contract is over. They're not really re-signing any talent because if they re-sign these talents, especially someone like a Bully Ray or an Austin Aries, if they re-sign them, they're basically forced to give them a guarantee. And they can't really guarantee because they don't really know what's going on themselves. So basically, you know, Bully Ray might get an extension himself in which maybe he'll wrestle one or two dates until Bound for Glory and he has uh, his induction in the Hall of Fame, whether or not he works the pay-per-view in the tag division. Uh, but, you know, we should hopefully see Bully Ray wrestle maybe once more, once or twice before he's officially done with TNA just so they can finish out, and, uh, you know, their storylines with him and the Wolves and the Hardys. And much like Austin Aries, even though Austin Aries' his contract might be up uh, before the year is over, he might still appear with TNA on a limited uh, day basis on, you know, an extension, whether he works a show here or there, because they don't really want to uh, completely – you know, uh, work with someone because they don't really know what's going on themselves. So if they dedicate themselves to a Bully Ray or to Austin Aries and they don't really have the ability, especially if they sign on with another network and they make less or if they don't even, if they make even far more less than, you know, less, if they're really in the hole, it's going to be very difficult and they're going to want to sign a lot younger talent who's cheaper. So it's very hard to say what the future holds for TNA, and it's hard to say what the future holds for a lot of guys whose contracts are running out right now. Yeah, and the I thing just is read today the... Gail Kim's contract is running out next. Oh wow! Yeah, her, yeah, her contract's ready to expire, and I had read a while ago that um, Velvet Sky is distancing herself from the business. I guess maybe yeah. she just wants to be with Bully Ray, and that's it. It could be, yeah. And a lot of them are getting paid per appearance now. Yeah. Their contract's running out. I think we're going to see Bully Ray a couple more times. I think he agreed to, like, extending, like, dates, certain dates. Yeah. What about Devon? Any word on him? Devon, no. No. It's a shame, though. They've been in there since, wow. Coming up on 10 years, the Dudleys have been in TNA. 2005, they came in. 
Wow. See, that don't Come seem on. like that long. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. yeah. They've been a part of the team. And it'd be a shame. They got, you know, they lost AJ. Thing we know on Hogan, but that's not that big of a deal. But AJ, you know, was a big force, and we would not want to, to lose uh, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Bully Ray. That would definitely be a crusher. If you yeah, it yeah. would. It would. How about so, how about uh, Bully Ray coming back to the WWE and beating up Brock Lesnar? Oh, that would be oh, great. Wait. I. It would be it would be interesting. Uh, the question is though, McMahon is uh, does he He'll want never these? Uh, yeah, never. Yeah, really. Would would McMahon let Bully Ray be be doing what he's doing now in TNA? I don't think so. No. Oh no, no. I mean, he's like the star in TNA. And are we still going to see the tapings that I've been at like ten weeks ago? It seems like, you know, <laughs> I love New York, but every week it's been New York for the last twelve weeks. And tomorrow's New York, too, and then we go back to Pennsylvania. Tomorrow's the oh, end of the New York stuff. Okay. Wow. That ran that ran very long. Yeah, it is. Uh, they came in in June, and they did three days' worth of tapings. Well, yep. three three eight, three months' worth of tapings, I should say. And then they did another right. three months. So uh, it should be interesting. And uh, this year, oh, yesterday's Raw's rating, I just got to hand it something here. Was the lowest rating of Raw's uh, for the year. So, not hi- historically, but just for the year. So, it did very bad, whatever it was. I don't know the number, but it was the lowest of the year. So, there you go with that. <laughs> okay, guys, thank you. We will speak to you uh, next week at the same time, same place, same channel. Okay. You guys have a good week. Yeah, great having okay. the band back together. Okay. Yeah, I'll talk to you guys later. All right. Take care, everybody. Okay, and a special thanks to JJ and Dominic Valente. Join us here Thursday as we talk Oscar Pistorius trial at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, much, much more. Um, We will speak to you. uh, We will speak to you Thursday. And uh, that is it. Okay, folks, I'm going to leave you with Chicago, courtesy of...
Yeah. 